0: You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.
1: You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is The Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another live remote broadcast of TPC. This is my final trip of the year, the final show on the road, as it were. We are on the road again uh, in the rural South tonight at a meeting of the league of the south had the opportunity the honor really to address uh, the league meeting today gave a talk and uh, over the next three hours we are going to be bringing the other speakers who took to the podium and we're going to be spending the majority of the show if not uh, well really the entirety of it on the situation in the middle east and you're going to hear from dr michael hill who is the chief of the league of the south as you know a former college professor professor also author of two books on Celtic warfare dr. Kevin McDonald uh, will be here as well he, uh, we have spent the day together Simon Roche all the way from South Africa will be back he is in the United States and in my presence as I speak and I can't wait to present that fine company to you and uh, without further We'll get to the first, uh, and the first two is listed. Dr. Michael Hill, the founder of our feast this evening. Dr. Hill, it's great to be back with you. Great to be back with league members
3: tonight. Uh, James, it's always great to be with you, and uh, one of the best speeches today was given by none other than James Edwards, the host of this great oh, show. Oh,
2: I don't know about that. Uh, that is, you put me in some tough company. All, <laughs> that was some, That was a, a, a fine a quartet of speakers, to be sure. Oh, Absolutely. And uh, yours truly, Michael Hill, Simon Roche, and uh, Kevin McDonald. You'll be he- hearing from them all tonight as we break down current events and uh, headline news. I-, I gotta say, Michael, though, it just—I mean, I-, I knew this, uh, of course, but I mean, I imagine, ladies and gentlemen, if you can, if you can go back to your college years, imagine having Michael Hill or Kevin McDonald as your professor. I mean, real students had that opportunity. They don't make colleges like that anymore.
3: I don't think. No, I don't think Kevin or I either. One would get away <laughs> for a day, or, but a day or two for teaching. Now, with the things that we would be teaching these students, but uh, hey, I bet the students would love it.
2: I tell you what, uh, I bet they would. I bet a lot of them would, and that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, let's let's talk about this very quickly. Well, first, Michael, uh, we're not going to give away the location. We are, but I'll tell you this: I had the opportunity to uh, to drive in this weekend. It was. A most beautiful, really a magnificent drive through state highways across the south and seeing the leaves changing, autumn fully in the air. It reminds you, Michael, of course, uh, what we're fighting for when you go through these rural communities, and
3: that's where we are tonight, and we had a great turnout today. Absolutely, we did. We're in a a nice uh, rural community here that's beautiful this time of the year. Great people, uh, great hospitality uh, out in the country, in the rural areas and small towns is where our people are. And that's where we're going now. And uh, that's uh, where we are
2: tonight. And uh, many of them showed uh, up today. None of them showed out, but they did show up. And uh, we had a good time of fellowship and camaraderie and exchange of ideas and and planning for the future and planning for uh, future victories. So uh, let's just go down exactly, I mean, what we accomplished today or what the
3: the goals of the league were today, of course, with this event. Well, uh, we started having these one-day conferences uh, back in, in July. And we want to do this because we want to give everybody in the league a chance to come to see see us speak and uh, do the fellowship thing and not have to spend a lot of money staying in a hotel for two or three nights. So we're going to be doing these all over the South, probably at least four a year. Uh, Little pop-up conferences, yeah, pop-up. boutique conferences, yeah. if
2: you will. It's not the big national conference model that the other organizations have but smaller, uh, very efficient, very well-run, tight meetings. And uh, I don't think there was an empty chair by the end of the uh, afternoon today in the uh, in the conference hall, and it gives people a chance with the rising cost of everything, yeah, the cost exactly. of living, gas, travel, groceries, you name it, fast food. Uh, you can't hardly go anywhere uh, for a weekend for less than $1,000. Certainly you're not going to get it uh, for less than 500 so $500 to $1,000 just to go. So you have... More meetings, smaller meetings, without sacrificing the quality, without sacrificing the continent, gives people uh, more people in the end a chance to come, well, and it's
3: cost-effective.
2: Well, that's true. That's and good
3: leadership. Another, another added bonus, too, James, is the fact that at, the, at one national conference a year, we might get six, seven speeches on videotape. This way, we get about four per conference. So if we have four conferences a year, we got 16 uh, videotapes, com, uh, speeches out there on our website, all over the place for millions of people to see so that's, that's a, right i mean yeah.
2: that's a, an ancillary added benefit and a takeaway from these things that this is not just for the, uh, the the people that assembled good of a group as it was but uh, through the fact that it was professionally filmed it's going to be up yep. on the internet and that's it's going it. to find a place through various video streaming
3: platforms to reach uh, a far greater audience yeah and absolutely you think about uh, putting out a speech by James Edwards or Kevin MacDonald or Simon Roach I mean, people are going to just go and eat that up. Right? I mean, that's 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 the cream of the crop. Right well, there. and, of
2: course, uh, you too, my friend. But, yeah, I mean, Simon coming all the way, and I'm looking at Simon over here across the room right now, all the way from South Africa to be in the American South tonight. Absolutely.
3: Uh, that's, that's, and this is not the first time he's done that either.
2: I tell you, you pulled him in from near and far, hither, tither, and yon uh, from uh, Kevin McDonald and the great Pacific Northwest, Simon Roach from about as far away as you can get in
3: Absolutely. the world. We had a couple guys come in from uh, New York and New Jersey. Yeah, you know, really good turnout.
2: It really was, and it was a a diverse turnout. Can I use that word in the best sense of the word? Uh, Well, let's talk a little bit about the content. Uh, Four speeches, uh, a very nice dinner, which is what we call lunch in the South, uh, at uh, a a fine little mom-and-pop cafe there in the middle. Uh, What did people that weren't here today miss? What will they learn when they watch it on video?
3: Well, they're going to learn uh, from you, basically. Uh, why the system is broken and can't be fixed. They're going to learn from Simon Roche about what lessons South Africa can offer to the rest of the white world uh, about preventing what is going on over there now. And they learn from Kevin MacDonald who the culprits are <laughs>
2: <laughs> he is uniquely trained to deliver he, that message i mean is. we don't want novices we don't want laymen no. we want people who've actually done the the, Kevin, the Kevin research
3: dollars written the best books on the on the jew question and, and of course, it. people who disagree with him always call it pseudoscience. It can't possibly be legitimate unless it fits the narrative, and right? Absolutely, but it, we we know it is. And then I, I just tried to sum up. I just tried to copy what everybody else did. <laughs> sum sum I mean, everything nice up.
2: Nice summation. Well, it was it was much more than that, brother. But uh, yeah, so this was um, th- that was uh, some of the talks, and we're actually going to have each of the speakers sort of just break down and condense uh, their topic uh, a little, made for radio presentation. If you will uh, uh, Throughout the night But again uh, We we wanted to spend The first segment Just letting you know We had a fantastic uh, Turnout at a League of the South Event today And uh, we're broadcasting Live remotely From a very charming Main Street USA Rural Southern community And uh, this is what I wrote about In our book uh, Michael uh, The Honorable Cause It makes you It reminds you What you're fighting for These are the towns That I grew up in And it uh, It's 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 really something To get out of town And, and
3: realize how different even the south is between rural and urban oh absolutely james and that's what i wrote about too in our book uh about the organic nature of uh of a movement like this i mean it's going to come naturally from the people uh of the rural areas and small towns and where where there's still uh southern culture it still exists it It still still exists exists. it has
2: not been watered down nearly to the extent as it has in the in the major cities in these communities it's the, the land that time forgot, and thank okay, God, <laughs> because that, that's progress, right? It's getting progressively worse. Well, not in towns like this. We'll be back, and we're going to shift our focus to the Middle East for the majority of the show with these great, fantastic men.
4: The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspoo, and Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, my Charlottesville story, identity ditches Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The honorable cause is available now at Amazon.com.
5: Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God truth is sacred in the kingdom and the government shall be upon his shoulder
6: Isaiah 9:6 a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries
2: Back, everybody. If uh, we can uh, give you a better trio than this, uh, maybe we can match it. We've got a lot of good guests uh, on our roster, but uh, we certainly can't top it. We can't exceed the level of quality we're bringing you tonight uh, when you hear from people like uh, Michael Hill, Kevin McDonald, Simon Roche, and others. Uh, now, this being a League of the South meeting, by the way, Michael, plug the website. How can people join?
3: Surely there's nobody listening that's not a member, but if you are, we'll help you correct that mistake. Absolutely. Uh, we have a new website that's going up, a uh, professionally done, www.leagueofthesouth.com, and you'll get to see that new website that's in progress. Leagueofthesouth.com. Please do join up. And
2: uh, so you'd be thinking with this being League of the South event, it's all going to be a, a Southern-oriented uh, show. Uh, and that would be fine. We do a lot of those throughout the year, certainly during the month of April, but throughout the year as well. But that's not what uh, our primary focus is going to be on tonight. Our southern gaze is going to be cast across uh, the, the sea and across the continents all the way to the Middle East. And we're going to be talking a lot about that tonight uh, with these uh, esteemed guests of ours. Uh, but, Michael, um, in my talk today, uh, we I, I had mentioned what's happening on the base level of the Republican Party, the Trump voter, the average white American, middle American, uh, and why there are reasons for optimism there and why a lot of uh, millions of people are beginning to have this nascent awareness and understanding of our issues up to and including secession and national divorce. And we cited some statistics and some positive trends there. So that's all good news. And then you look at what's going on in the Republican Party vis-a-vis Israel and Gaza, and it couldn't be more disturbing. So putting those on a balance, where do we stand? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it somewhere in the middle? Where
3: where are people standing tonight with regards to the present situation? James, I think uh, in the long run it's going to be all for the good because we've said in the league for 30 years almost that one of the best things that could happen in this country is the destruction of the GOP. And, you know, the the Republicans have have done a – a good job sometimes of talking on issues, but when it comes down to it, they do what they always do. They bail out on us, and they support the elites. And the elite position is supporting Israel pretty much in anything it does. So you have these Republicans who, who pose and preen that, you know, oh, we're not going to support, uh, you know, foreign wars and Ukraine, Israel, yeah. whatever. But when it comes down to it, as you so... Uh, eloquently put it today, the uh, Israelis or the Jews pull that leash tight on these Republicans, and they get what they want. Uh, well,
2: I am it. telling you uh, that the Israel lobby gave the House GOP whiplash in the last couple of weeks because you don't. You go back not even a month ago, and I thought one of the primary reasons that they yanked McCarthy out of the speakership was because they didn't want to send more money to aid. Th- these foreign entanglements yeah, that they the 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 House GOP the GOP base was looking like they wanted to um, withhold support for Ukraine which was a good thing that's something that we can agree with and then well if we're not going to support that foreign entanglement why in the world uh, would we? <laughs> how does it make sense? How is it consistent with your thought process to say the first thing we do now with this Mike Johnson guy, and there's a lot we can say about him, this Mike Johnson guy who's the new Speaker of the House. The first thing he does is uh, pledge his loyalty to Israel and 14, uh, 15 billion dollars. The first thing they vote on to to aid Israel's basically genocide of
3: the of of, of Gaza. Uh, doesn't really add up, or n- does it? No, it, it, it doesn't add. Well, it, it really does add up if you look at the <laughs> Republican Party. It depends Party, on how you look at it. Exactly. If you see the Republican Party for what it really is, you know, they, they are willing to spend, uh, what, $15 billion initially, and that won't be it. You know, 15 is just starting. But I think what, what did Trump want, $5 billion for a wall on the southern border? So we, we're willing to give three times as much initially to Israel for a war that we don't know which direction within a day, to it, it. it took it took in a matter a of hours of Mike Johnson being installed there before they pushed that through. Yeah, exactly. But we can't get a wall built for one third that amount. It's a
2: lot of a lot of ins and a lot of outs. As if anybody's ever seen the Big Lebowski, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Absolutely. Uh, because the Democrats now, because the same lobby has been uh, in favor of bombing the world, inviting the world, or just uh, by any means necessary, getting uh, non-whites, third world people into this country to change the demographic that is the great replacement. It's not a theory, it's a fact. Uh, But now, sort of like uh, Frankenstein's monster, these people that they've imported don't share the same view about Israel as a lot of white evangelicals do. They don't have the guilt, and uh, they're not for it. And in this one instance, the Democrats are far and away superior to the Republicans. I, 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 I asked Sam Dixon. I said, "Who, who would be we be better off with the Speaker of the House, Ilhan
3: Omar or Mike Johnson?" Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure either one of them are going to do white people any good. But the, the situation. One of in, them wouldn't send 15 billion to Israel. That's exactly right. But see, the, the Democrats hate white people, and they, you know, they bring all the blacks and browns in, as, as immigrants. But the Republicans love Jews. So we are caught, we white folks are just caught in the middle of this. Well, a lot of
2: white folks don't understand that though, because you've had this uh, you know dispensationalism and Christian Zionism, exactly. and that, that is a relatively new phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, is. I think people who who were born after me they can only but look at the church or our faith and gag because they know it only is this. But I mean that 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 wasn't something that was um, that had infected the, the the blood of Christianity up until uh, you know the last generation or two. I mean, the, the last 50, 60, 70 years.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's true. Post-World War II. Right. Well, because I mean, because of course, Israel wasn't even a state until then. Yeah, so that's, you couldn't exac- ha- that's you couldn't have exactly right. Idea, but I'm ever sure. since 1948, this has been something that has infected the evangelical movement. And they see the, the Jews and the modern state of Israel as the chosen of God. And until we get over that, We're never going to get this problem solved. Although, again, another interesting in and out is that
2: Christianity has been so attacked and so ridiculed by our elites that you know, of course, church membership uh, has dwindled, and I, I think it is, it is true. That dispensationalism and Christian Zionism is dying away with Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and, uh, you know, s- soon to be uh, John Hagee, whenever he goes. Oh, I mean, let's hope, <laughs> let's hope so. but I mean, uh, so a lot of people aren't Christians. And but if you look at and we cited this recently, if you look at the number of people supporting Israel, it's the the oldest demographic That's is right. is like 70, 30. And yeah. the youngest demographics, like 30, 70. Right, I'm just rough, right. rough. Does rough numbers, but the people of fighting age that would have to go fight Iran or fight in this regional or maybe even a world war on behalf of of Israel because you're certainly not fighting for America's vital interest. They're checked
3: out. Oh yeah. So they, I don't know how you're going to get those people to fight I, for I Iran. I don't think you're going to get them to fight uh, in in favor of Israel in any, any war like that. So uh, I I think the the Jews have really got themselves in a conundrum here because they've sponsored all of this uh, black and brown. Uh, and the blacks and browns
2: are not beholden to them they're, like they're, like whites they're, are. They're not like white
3: Christians no, are. Absolutely not. So they're being bitten by their own policy here.
2: And so, but it's interesting. But it's because it really it's like, it's it, you could use the Captain Ahab analogy here, okay. and that is they they so want to kill Moby Dick, which is white Christians, that they may end up harming themselves as well. And look, I don't want anybody harmed. I don't have any problem saying this. I look at what they have done in this indiscriminate bombing campaign of Gaza. I've seen those kids. The Arabs have never been a friend of, of white Christians either throughout the history of Europe, but I see this stuff, and if you have an ounce of humanity, your heart breaks to see these sites. Uh, I don't want it to happen to little Jewish kids either. This is just not our fight.
3: No, it's not our fight. Yeah, bottom line, James, that's it. It's not America's fight, and we in the League of the South always like to stress it's not the South's fight. We don't want our Southern men and even women shedding any blood or spending any of our tax money on a fight that isn't ours. Well,
2: this is it, Michael. I mean, there's always going to be some injustice in the world of that you course. that you could find to go in and involve yourself in if you're sure. a busybody do-gooder. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I have to look after my family first. I can't solve the rest of the world's problems because i've got a i've got a safeguard i gotta i gotta take care of my own and people keep telling us though israel's our greatest ally our greatest ally we got to
3: stay with our greatest ally they're our only ally what have they done for us okay what have they done for okay. us okay let, let me ask your audience out there just one thing not two not three one thing that israel has done for america since 1948 and i'm waiting that is on to that our answer. benefit they've Do done them, a lot well, they've then, actually done a lot yeah, but, but done, but done to for our it, done for us done, not not to us you know, so <laughs> that has been to our benefit. Absolutely,
2: uh, nothing. I mean, what do they? What do we get in exchange for the foreign aid for you know this this fifteen billion dollars that they're trying to send them for the the weaponry, the advanced system, you know, technology that yeah. they've got over there? What, we what, get, what are we, get, we getting? At?
3: We get pulled into their wars in the Middle East,
2: and it's a good deal for them. And if I was them, yeah. I would probably do the same
3: absolutely. thing. We about, get uh, we get spied on. Our technologies get sold to China, you know. This is what we get from Israel. But and, they keep saying it's our greatest ally, but it's unqualified. Well, they never
2: explain, you know, this is why they're our greatest ally.
3: If you I, say I, something over and over and over again like that, some people... Has anybody ever tried truth. to
2: explain it, though, that you've heard in the mainstream no, media? we got the music playing. No, we'll we'll no. ponder that question. We'll ponder that question, and uh, we're going to bring Dr. Kevin McDonald on. Michael Hill's going to take a quick break. Kevin McDonald. Simon Roche later, and then we're going to have a roundtable with everybody before the show ends. We'll let these fantastic guests talk with each other on the air. Stay tuned.
7: Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
8: USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. President Biden's chief diplomat is advocating for humanitarian pauses in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. While visiting Tel Aviv Friday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken urged a temporary halt to allow for the release of hostages held by Hamas and for humanitarian aid to reach Gaza.
0: We need to do more to protect Palestinian civilians. We've been clear that as Israel conducts its campaign to defeat Hamas, how it does so matters. It matters because it's the right and lawful thing to do.
8: Blinken underscored that Israel has the right to self-defense, but also called for further efforts to minimize civilian casualties in its airstrikes on Gaza. The death toll has risen to at least 157 people following an earthquake on Friday night in Nepal. The U.S. Geological Survey says a 5.6 magnitude quake shook the northwestern part of the country just before midnight local time. About 170 people were injured in the quake, which caused landslides in the mountainous country. Rescuers are searching the mountain villages, most of which can only be reached on foot for more victims. And officials say the death toll is expected to rise. The Supreme Court is currently reviewing a challenge to the federal prohibition on bump stocks, which are devices designed to enhance the firing rate of semi-automatic rifles. This decision coincides with a recent mass shooting in Maine, prompting the justices to re-examine a significant 2022 ruling concerning the Second Amendment that broadened gun rights nationwide. Traffic is about to get a little bit worse in New York City, if that's even possible.
5: Thousands of people from around the world will be running through New York City's five boroughs this sunday for the annual new york city marathon the race begins in staten island at 8 a.m eastern with wheelchair divisions starting first the new york city marathon will be broadcast to over 500 million homes around the world i'm Corey myers
8: this is usa news
2: Welcome back, everybody, from one distinguished gentleman and scholar to the next, uh, from Dr. Hill uh, to Kevin McDonald we go. Now, I could introduce Kevin. I could give you his uh, CV, but you don't need that after all these years. I mean, Kevin, you are, as I always like to mention when we have one of the top three on, one of the top three most interviewed guests in the history of the radio program. So surely everybody tuned in tonight knows you and... And loves you as I do. So uh, you know, Kevin, I think I've seen you more this year than I've seen most members of my family. <laughs> it seems like every every it month does. we've seen we've run into each other yeah. on the on the circuit. I hope that's a good sign. No, it's a very good thing. I've yeah. certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, we've yeah. been uh, where have well, we been this year? We've been to Texas a couple of times. A couple of times, and, times, yeah. Uh, uh, had a lot of good times. Um, but uh, so uh, you gave a speech today, well received, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I have heard a lot of your speeches, and this one was was animated this I, I can't say this one was good because they're all good but i really enjoyed what you had to say today and the way uh, the treatment you gave it so if you could before we continue on with our discussion it was interesting for a southern themed meeting that three of the speakers spoke on the, the middle east yeah. primarily and I, I i mentioned it but
9: um, tell us uh, tell us what you talked about well you know given the, the situation in gaza and everything i i did feel that that was what i should talk about is sort of up my alley and Raises a lot of issues. I, I emphasized. Uh, I you know, I, I emphasized uh, um, the financial power of the Jewish community, and and what it's doing right now. And and uh, you know you got um, these hedge fund guys um, doxing people and preventing them from getting jobs in the in the, in the uh, or or even even be, you know at, at these prestigious law firms and uh you know in general uh inhibiting free speech and, and it should be obvious by now that jewish organizations do not feel are, are not uh, uh interested in free speech anymore they used to be very interested in free speech back in the 1950s you mentioned that today and that was yeah. prescient yeah yeah and you know they uh the, the, you know it's it's, it's the adl it's uh, the uh, the NGOs, are all these left wing NGOs that are promoting immigration here. For example, you got APAC with the Israel lobby and all that. It's very effective. The ADL themselves get sixty two million a year, and uh, so, so that it's a full court press, as it always is with Jewish activism, and ultimately does have to do with with Jewish wealth. And um, I also talked uh, about uh, the Republican Jewish coalition which just met in las vegas and uh, the star of the show apparently was nikki haley uh because she is completely bound to israel and uh <laughs> yeah she she's like a absolute split israel we
2: haven't mentioned this yet because last week uh we we took a, a momentary departure uh to celebrate 19 years on the air and last week was our 19th anniversary Nineteen years, if you can believe it. Yeah. But uh, and, and and otherwise, we would have covered that. So I'm glad you brought that up because that had happened last week. But it was really just a parade of every Republican presidential candidate basically trying to compete with one another about yeah. who could be the most subservient to Israel. And yeah. Donald Trump fell right in line with right that. Line. I mean, he, he, he might, you say Nikki Haley w- was the most subservient. I mean, Donald yeah, Trump never hurt for yeah. the money, but they were all doing it though. If the, you, if you want, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, uh, a, a, a recap of that, go to our friend Brad Griffin's website, com, And he has basically a little, um, Highlight reel of, or low light reel, as it were, of
9: each of these uh, people. Uh, it was all about yeah. fealty uh, and prostrating yourself before the Israel yeah. lobby. And the, the reality is that the, the, even though Trump did prostrate himself, he, uh, the, the Republican Jewish Coalition people, don't trust him really, and they they don't want him. They uh, preserve, pre, um, prefer Haley. Um, because you know Trump's had this this strong isolationist streak. They hate isolation. Now he
2: did say he would go to war for them there yeah, at the, at the thing, but would. but as as you're right, because he says he also says some things occasionally that white people like. He's he's yeah he's yeah.
9: No, he's not their favorite. Exactly. I mean, he, he's been in favor of curbing legal immigration and building the wall and all that. And Brussels and Paris aren't the same anymore. And and. Uh obviously those are things that do not appeal to Jews and and, you know the neocons just went crazy in the 2016 Uh, you had all this uh, news uh, TV uh, things but also uh, you know all the neocon publications trumpeting the idea that he was a second coming of Hitler and the whole thing it was just outrageous (laughs) well do you agree with me Kevin and feel free to disagree because you're learning an opinion that certainly
2: more than mine as i uh, worth more than mine as i surveyed the political landscape but uh, my my takeaway my to this point synopsis on trump was he has inadvertently helped us because the system overreacted so much to the threat that they believed or pretended to believe that he posed that he has done more to facilitate a white awakening on racial issues and uh, issues like identity and even you know, the, the potential for secession
9: than any of our any of our champions ever could have done yeah the, Trump is something we needed and it, it's an absolute break in American politics because you know what was going to happen there in two thousand and sixteen was Jeb Bush and Hillary Jet Clinton. Bush and Hillary Clinton you know and just I've abs- seen that movie before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, hang me from a rope with that. You know, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) And she would have walked all over him. (laughs) I mean, he loses just like uh, uh, the old man lost to
2: the male Clinton. Yeah, yeah.
9: So it was, you know, that's what we were faced with, was this sort of consensus, middle of the road, you know, rhino Republicans and and liberal Democrats getting together, and who cares who wins? You don't care anymore. But, uh, you know... so trump really put a wrench in all that and and they spent the whole four years going after him all oh, one investigation after another two impeachments uh, and one, everything racist nazi yeah, 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 fascist
2: yeah. he cures cancer he walks on water the headline is he's a fascist he's a nazi you know that's it <laughs> that's and people it. got numb to it
9: yeah 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 absolutely and uh, i also talked about, about about nikki haley you're getting money from jewish organizations uh you know her family. She's now worth eight million dollars. When she started out, she was worth a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. Her parents were deeply in debt, so she is completely beholden to the Israel lobby, and it's just going to get. Uh, you know, she <laughs> there's nothing she wouldn't do for them, and. Uh,
2: well, I mean, the APAC is the the biggest. Uh, campaign to just about everybody in congress it seems so i mean i get i get it i I, there's certainly i believe it's been documented and i correct me if i'm wrong and if we're wrong unlike the the establishment press if i'm wrong about something i'll come back next week and 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 offer you a a a, a retract or a clarification but i believe that apac is the biggest donor to mike johnson the new speaker of the house this anonymous guy who I mean, the first thing he does when he comes in. is <laughs> Over the last two weeks, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives under Speaker Mike Johnson has voted to send $1.3 billion to Israel, condemn college students for calling uh, a ceasefire in Gaza as woke. They're woke if they want a ceasefire in Gaza, authorize a war with Iran on the grounds that it has weapons of mass destruction, and give Israel a war guarantee like the one that was given to Poland that caused World War,
9: World war II. Yeah. Uh, He seems to be completely in the bag for Israel. Uh, I'm not sure all his motivations. He seems like he's an evangelical. I guess that's part of it. But uh, sad because any any politician... they realize if they want a career in politics, they got to go along with this. Well, I But uh, even
2: as a Christian, Kevin, when I, when if you tell me that an evangelical is uh, elevated to that position, I say
9: God help us
2: yeah. it's so
9: true. <laughs> it is so true that uh, well,
2: this kind of Christian because Christians weren't like that before nineteen forty eight. No, no, I mean, no. they
9: couldn't have been. And that's one of the points I made. That, you know that anti Semitism was very common in the nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties. You had people like Father Coughlin, Henry Ford, huge national following and Charles uh, Lindbergh yeah and they were Charles Lindbergh who was said to be an anti semite simply for saying the truth that the uh, Jews are one of the three groups trying to get us into World War II yeah
2: what was what was uh, where was the lie in that and that that's the thing I mean let's talk what is the definition of an anti semite how do you define (laughs) that I understand that we're called
9: that but what does that mean it, it, it means it's something that the Jews don't like. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really what it is. I mean, uh, that it's something that contravenes what they see as their interests, and and that's a simple uh, explanation, but it works every time. You know, they they, they don't have any principles. But, so, but I, I so, guess
2: people mean, what people think it means is that you you have an irrational hatred for them just because right. they're Jewish. You want to kill them. Yeah. You want to put them in a concentration camp just because they're Jewish. Uh but it but it couldn't possibly mean what it actually means is yeah. that you you have a legitimate disagreement with them you disagree you you with can't. them
9: you can't and and that, that is the bottom line i mean i've been through this so many times was on the faculty email list and various social media wars and everything but it, it's like they're oblivious to it all and even now like I, was, I did talk about the faculty uh email list i'm still on at the university i'm retired for like 9 years now but uh, they go at it now, and and these Jews... But they didn't do that. Did they do that 10 years ago when you were still a tenured professor? They went after me. No, they but, went after but, you, but, but, but did they go I was the you? only one. And and, uh, I, and uh, where now you got all these ethnic studies professors and some liberals who really understand that Israel is not the good guy here and that American Jews are not the nice people I want to... I want to continue this,
2: obviously we're going to continue this conversation, but I want to continue on this exact point when we come back about what's going on on college campuses and how you would view that as a former college professor at a very major university, California State University, Long Beach. Uh, We'll be right back with the good professor and my dear friend, Kevin McDonald, right after this. Stay tuned. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of the Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling one 886 699 news AmericanFreePress.net. It's an embarrasses of riches tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sitting here like, you ever watch the old uh, DuckTales cartoons when Uncle Scrooge would just jump into this, this olympic size swimming pool of gold coins? And, oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I feel like tonight. I grew uh, up with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I feel like yeah. tonight when I'm with, uh, when I have, not just on the radio with me, but sitting... Uh, inches from me <laughs> a, a foot away is kevin mcdonald yeah, we're yeah, sitting yeah. here together and dr michael Hill. earlier you're gonna hear from simon rose from south africa and then in the third hour we're gonna have a lot of fun because we're gonna pair them up together i'm gonna step out seat my mic and let the our guests have a discussion amongst one another and we'll just see where it goes uh it's gonna be fantastic but um anyway uh kevin back to uh, what we were talking about earlier you were breaking down some of the topics of your talk today at the the meeting and uh I want to ask you to continue to do that. But before we do, as a former college professor, have you found it interesting that there is so much support on the college campuses for the Palestinians or, or, or at least, you know, that uh, protests and demonstrations that wouldn't benefit Jewish interests?
9: Yeah, it, it is a little surprising. But at the same time, you know, that it's become, you know, on the left, you see so much more of this. And you know, I, I think it's because you know, obviously, they, um, the the uh, obviously Israel is is uh, is oppressing the Palestinians, and and you got apartheid state over there. It's indefensible morally, and and uh, you just can't you can't uh, deny that. Well,
2: how do you how do you reckon this? Uh, how do you reconcile this? I guess should be the question. Here we have the Democrats who. I don't think we have hardly any area of agreement with, for the most part. And then you have the Republicans, which on the base level we have, you know, certainly more. Uh, but on one of the most fundamental issues, one of the most important issues,
9: maybe the most important issues, the Democrats are getting it right, and the Republicans couldn't be more wrong. How, <laughs> how's that happening? Well, you got to realize, that, first of all, it's not a majority of Democrats. I mean, uh, they're like 15, I, fifteen or sixteen. Uh, in the house? No, no. Well, I mean, as far as the vote
2: on uh, w- the funding of Israel, I- I've got the numbers here. Uh, but it was almost every Republican voted for it, and almost every Democrat voted against it. Really? Uh, with, with regards to the funding of Israel? Yes. When was that? Jesus. That was here just this here. Uh, let me let me look. I I don't want to be wrong now. Uh, but no, no. With regards to the funding of of the of the fourteen point three billion. Uh, I believe. Um, well, I'll look it up. Somebody send me an email. I'm here on the road, but I, <laughs> I've got it here somewhere. I saw that in a note. I hope I didn't misread it. Uh, now, with regards to you know supporting a resolution condemning antisemitism that passed, you know, nine uh, three hundred ninety-six to twenty-three. Yeah. But I think the funding of uh, of, of of the war that Mike Johnson w- wanted uh, didn't. But i I'll,
9: I'll, I'll I actually have a picture. Uh, continue on, Doctor, and I'll I'll, I'll find that. Yeah, well, I think it's been very important for Jewish success, for Jewish power, to, to, to establish the image of the morally superior uh, group. They've always done that. And, and uh, you know, you, you talk about the ADL. It's always about tolerance and and we're the good guys and we're fighting uh, hate and, and all that. But it, it's hard for them to really square the circle on this. I mean, it's been very clear that um, is, Israel's not the good guy here. And it's hard to defend what they have done to the Palestinians. I mean, the idea that Gaza is an open-air prison and all that. And I, I noticed that, like I was talking about the faculty email, is when this comes up, now you've got ethnic studies professors, you've got um, other people from outside the university and faculty organizations and so on, they're condemning Israel. And when they do that, they always talk about the history, the context. They talk about, you know, what's going on in in uh, in, uh in Gaza, with the open air prison idea, the oppression of the West Bank Palestinians, and all that, and and they, it's uh, it, it's pretty clear okay. that yeah, they okay. they they do not have the moral high ground here. All right, so our our production assistant here just
2: uh, gave me. I was looking for it. I took a screenshot of it, my friend, and I had it, uh, but he he's got it right here. This is from the Hill, uh, so we'll take their word for it. Yeah. But that twelve Democrats, twelve out of all the Democrats in Congress, joined. The majority of house republicans to vote in favor of the fourteen point three billion dollar aid package that's what i thought i remembered mm. it was almost all republicans and uh but uh all of the democrats voted against it except for twelve thank you i'm very surprised that. well that was just the war the the yeah. the, the fourteen point three billion well yeah. yeah but i mean i'm just but 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 there is you know that is that is a, a streak within the the I mean, you know, Elon Omar, people like that. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I get, I get, get it. You get it. That. You think it's it's sort of like just the squad, but on that, it was all but um only uh, only 12 voted with the Republicans to fund that. Now when it came down to this and I've got this here too, this is you know, probably what you're talking about, par for the course. Politico uh, headline reads: House lawmakers approved a resolution condemning the support of terrorist organizations and anti-Semitism on college campuses on a 396 to 23 bipartisan vote. Well, that sounds good, but who's a terrorist? What 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 is an anti-Semite? You know, right. I, I don't understand. What you, are you talking? Terrorists like the people who are. Uh, giving out flyers right. you know we were talking about this job just before the show in the state of Georgia right now just this week uh guys who were i don't know these guys i don't know the organization it's called the Goyam Defense League but they are going uh, they have been you know going door to door leaving flyers and they're going to prison now for that that right. now you can say i don't know what the content of the flyers were um i don't know if it was tacky or what but it doesn't matter that is ironclad first amendment you can you can print a flyer and you can distribute a flyer if it's not calling for violence if it's not agitating for anything illegal uh that is first amendment and and it's not just that they're getting a fine or a citation for littering or something like that they're actually going to prison they're going to prison um for i think 30 days but they are, or, or jail. I guess you'd go to jail for 30 days, prison's a longer sentence. But they're going to jail for 30 days. They've got to stay 30 days in jail for distributing flyers, First Amendment. This is happening in Republican states of Georgia and Florida.
9: Yeah. Well, I, th- you know, I think, I think it's, it's sort of like lawfare where you could fight that. It's going to cost you an awful lot of money. And uh, you say oh, it was the first, the first Amendment violation. Well, you are right about that, but, you know, the judicial system is uh, way out there now. <laughs> and, uh, well, not on our side. No, I think that's a, <laughs> as you know. I think we know. Uh, well, well, let's talk
2: about that very quickly. I, I want you to finish giving a treatment of your talk. We have about five minutes, and and then uh, we're going to have you back later. Uh, I'm going to be in prison this time next year.
9: <laughs> what do you think? I, I worry about that. You know, I mean, uh, it, it, it what do we what do we look like a year from now? Because a year from now, whatever election, or will we even have an election? I don't think that's hyperbole anymore. It's not, and and I, I think we have to realize that our our country is hopelessly po- polarized, and that we are heading to some kind of crisis. And and uh, I think a lot of people, and I'm just talking to people around here, uh, a lot of people think that that this is uh, heading to. Uh, some kind of Armageddon End Times kind of scenario where anything from Civil War to no election to martial law and is all going to be on the table. And and certainly Democrats uh, have shown very clearly that they uh, favor authoritarian methods of everything. I mean, they – they uh, and I do think that if – assuming Trump's Trump uh, is nominated, I think he – That the Democrats will not let him win, lie, cheat, steal, assassinate, whatever it takes. They are absolutely determined that that's not going to happen. And um, so, yeah, we're headed to a crisis because half the country is going to think that's outrageous. And it is. But uh, how do you reconcile that? I I mean, but this is, I I think what they're uh, um,
2: betting on, and it's a decent bet, that the disaffected majority or, or the disaffected conservative, the
9: Trump voters, will just eat it and go back to work because that's what we've always done. We've always done that, but uh, I don't know. It was, we'll see. They're, they're going to be very, very angry, and uh, I, I I you know I, I just don't know. I, I don't think that we can predict exactly what's going to happen. Trump himself before. saying
2: that uh, there's no way he can get a fair trial in New York, or Washington D.C.
9: or Atlanta. Now, right. why, why can't he in those jurisdictions? <laughs> Pretty obvious. <It's laughs> Democrat jurisdictions. A lot of uh, non-white jurors and, and things. Are ju- the, the judges are just completely on the left. So that that's what happens. It, the
2: one in D.C. is a Jamaican, I think, immigrant. That's right. A woman. That's right. And it's going to be, you know, presiding over uh, a, a trial that could determine whether or not the most recently former president and the front runner for the current election is is going to go to prison and if he goes to prison what kind of constitutional crisis is that if he wins which is going to be hard for him to win but if he did
9: yeah. Yeah. And supposedly sl- he's leading the polls right now yeah. and they slap all these fine these gag orders on him he, he doesn't even have to <laughs> talk about the first amendment he doesn't even have it yeah. well that's right and yeah. if, if, the, if the, the the front runner for the presidency and in the in, in a former president
2: yeah. can't get a fair trial uh, what hope do we have? <laughs> what, what hope do we have? <laughs> what hope does the Goyim Defense League have? Well, they're going to prison. I don't guess they have any, but or jail. Excuse me. But anything else, Kevin? We're going to bring you back a little later on in the program. We have got about two minutes left. Anything else from your speech? Any
9: takeaways you'd like to share with the audience who couldn't enjoy it as we did? Well, you know, the, one of the big points is simply that that Jews have been able to uh, establish this image of themselves as moral paragons, and it's very important in in Western cultures. In Western cultures. Uh, We're not into kinship like other cultures, and we are unique in all the world, and and reputation is everything for us. We want to be good people. We want to have a good reputation in the community. But now the community standards are made by by the media, which is dominated by by these alien interests, whereas back in the 1920s and 30s, it was not dominated by those interests. It was dominated by religious, patriotic groups and so on. Now it is not. It is uh, hopelessly uh, skewed towards, you know, the, the mainstream, the attitudes of the mainstream Jewish community. That's the bottom line. You look at what the, the you know, most Jews vote, well, 70% of Jews vote uh, for Democrats. The ones who vote Republicans are basically rhinos. And, and so uh, that's the, the ideas. That, that, that's the uh, moral message that we get. If you want a good reputation, you go along with it. And uh, if you don't, it's at your own peril. You will yeah. be Don't and, you know. Don't you Lose your, <laughs> lose you your know? job, lose your family, everything. Well, that's why you're such a hero yeah. to me
2: and to so many people listening, Kevin. No, listen, you had the position. You had the thing that so many people have spent a life trying to attain. But you served a higher calling. You served the truth. You served your community. You served your people. And I it was a price that. that so few people are willing to pay. And that is why we love you. I appreciate it, man. Well, I do appreciate you, and we'll hear from you again a little bit more tonight. But, folks, listen, you can disagree with us. As Simon and Garfunkel said, uh, one of our favorite favorite Jewish duos, I guess. <laughs> you can laugh about it. You can shout about it. Uh, but what we're saying we believe is true. And our motivation <laughs> here is truth, and it is not coming from hatred. If you want to call the truth anti-Semitic, you want to call truth-tellers anti-Semitic, then I guess that's what we are. We'll be right back.
1: You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased a gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more. Up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time.
8: You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423.
7: Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyrics to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, T-shirts, CDs, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people please visit www.tightrope.cc.
0: You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio, Radio,
8: ResolutionRDO.com. In ancient times, man
7: roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing
10: Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're
1: listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the political cesspool the political cesspool known across the south and worldwide as the south's foremost populist conservative radio program and here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host james edwards
2: and welcome back everybody it uh, has been already a wonderful program this saturday evening november the fourth as we broadcast to you live from an undisclosed location In the rural South, a fantastic standing room-only meeting of the League of the South today. A one-day-only conference that featured the best of the best. And uh, by that, I mean as speakers, Michael Hill, Kevin McDonald, and Simon Roche. All the way from South Africa, he certainly won the award for most miles logged in order to be here and then they went to the minor leagues and grabbed me to fill out the roster but nevertheless it uh, was a great day and it is great to be back with my friend and brother and comrade from uh, across the world Simon Roche tonight I am shaking his hand as we speak we don't get the opportunity to see each other as much as I would like because of time and distance and circumstances but we're here tonight and I value that and it's an honor Simon how are you?
11: I'm um, well. Thank you very much, James. Thank you for the uh, generous words. Uh, it's terrific to be here. It's terrific to be on your show live. Um, and in person, again, it's a privilege for St. Lunders, the organization that I represent, Uh, to get this exposure and we we value it very much thank you
2: well it's an honor to be able to give it to you and uh, it's an honor that you would grant us the opportunity uh, to provide the audience with this message and so uh, before we get into what you talked about today and i was uh, marking up my notes for the program tonight uh, with some things to talk to you about that were germane to your address uh, that you delivered Uh, but uh, let's first remind the people You've made several appearances on this program. So, I, again, I don't want to take for granted that everybody uh, already knows, although they should, the organization that you represent and its mission. Let's start there.
11: Yeah, James, I work for, I'm an employee of uh, Saitlanders, which is uh, spelled S U I D, Landers. Saitlanders, it's a South African organization. The name means Southerners or Southlanders. It was founded by a man, our, our leader, uh, a man by the name of Gustav Müller, over 20 years ago. And it was founded as a civil defense organization under international law to pref- prepare for a worst-case scenario in South Africa. Uh, he perceived that the promises of the new South Africa Rainbow Nation at that time were fallacies, that they were paper-thin, and that there was a strong likelihood that if they failed, or there was a strong likelihood that they would fail, and in failing, there was a probability that uh, they would rupture along racial lines. In other words, if the New South Africa Africa Rainbow Nation uh, uh, faces crisis, people are going to revert to their own. And uh, we expect that as things are deteriorating so severely now in South Africa, people are going to revert to their own. And it it is a good and healthy and wise thing that the white people of South Africa should have a a legal uh, civil defense organization to, to take care of their interests.
2: So this is the mission. This is the goal. We have covered it many times on the program. Uh, we have been, we were talking about this earlier today, Simon, when we first uh, met, um, well, I don't re- that was a little more recently, but when you first came on the program was
11: about 2017? 2017.
2: 2017. Yes. And you drove 27,000 miles across uh, these, well, we can't call them United States if we're being honest, but across these states here in America, uh, 27,000 miles raising awareness about the plight and the dangers facing White South Africans in that uh, diverse rainbow nation that uh, the world helped provide.
11: Uh, Yeah, that's correct. In
2: 1994.
11: Yeah, yeah. in 2017, beginning on the 3rd of March, uh, we spent six months here, and we drove the length and the breadth of the USA, raising awareness, and many, many, many people hosted us all over the show. So uh, we we put in a lot of mileage, and um, it was a big, big job. Um, we came back in 2018, we were here in 2019, we spoke on your show, uh, at, uh, I beg your pardon, at your, at your birthday party, and then we had COVID and the travel restrictions, and mm. so we've come out again uh, almost four years later after the COVID and the, the travel restrictions um, to to yeah, to talk again about what's going on in South Africa, but the big difference now is that it's no longer, you know, South Africa's kind of the red-headed stepchild. We've kind of caught up
2: uh, to the dysfunction
11: there. Gee, you have caught up. It is heartbreaking. It's a crying shame to witness the deterioration of the USA in person. We
2: are going to spend an extended time. uh, Doctors Hill and McDonald, respectively, had 30 minutes apiece in the first hour. We're going to spend the entire second hour with Simon. And then in the third hour, we're going to put all of our featured guests tonight together for a roundtable discussion. You will not want to miss that. I'm, I'm going to step aside and, and give the show over to uh, Michael and Kevin and Simon and uh, just see where they go with it. But, uh, Simon, I do want to spend the remainder of this segment, and then we'll, we'll move forward talking about uh, contemporary issues and you know, have you break down your speech today. Uh, but the topic of South Africa is something that always, always is of great interest and importance to our audience. That is something, if I tell them we're having you on in South Africa, it's always, I don't want to say a big hit, like it's entertainment because it's such a serious thing, but people are concerned and they care and they want to tune in if they know that South Africa is going to be a topic. So you're a regular featured guest when we have our March Around the World uh, a special series in, in March, uh, but of course you've been on many times uh, throughout the, the years as well. Uh, for other reasons. What is the current uh, situation on the ground in South Africa, as we said here
11: in November of
2: 2023?
11: James, South Africa's decline is an incremental one. There's not much that I can tell you that's new and dramatic and, excuse me, hiccuping in the microphone, uh, and original, and nobody's ever heard it before. It's just another day in South Africa. So as I've spoken to you previously, or as I've talked you previously, we've had now for 15 years uh, severe power problems. In the week before I flew out here, we had rotating blackouts, every man, woman, and child, every business, every store, every you name it, nine and a half hours a day. So uh, everybody got nine and a half hours a day of electricity blackouts, and in the week prior to that, it was 11 and a half hours a day. And that is, of course, crushing the South African economy. It's doing immense harm. Uh, farm murders remain a very serious problem. The farm murder rate goes up a little bit and down a little bit. But the murder rate of white farmers remains roughly in the region of a, a rate of about 170 per 100,000 per year. And, and that's huh. the way... That's the way the United Nations measures murder. You know, how many people get murdered in Atlanta or in, in um, <clears throat> Baltimore, Maryland, whatever? It's per 100,000 per year. All right,
2: All right. so we, we have a break coming up. But when we come back, we're going to ask Simon where South Africa rates compared to some of our murder capitals like Atlanta and Chicago and New York. I think we may be appalled to find out, but we'll we'll ask him. And uh, we're going to find out more about his speech today, which was entitled The Crisis of Christendom. You don't want to miss it.
4: The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie? The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of Pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspoo, and Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of The Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com.
2: All right, everybody, we are back, and we are live, and you know we're live because I can't find Simon right now. I think he went outside the, the remote location here to have a cigarette. Anybody who knows Simon knows that he's keeping the tobacco industry single. His his second mission, his secondary mission beyond uh, uh, to uh, help uh, the, the whites in South Africa uh, survive is to keep the tobacco industry afloat and... Uh, I can't quite find him right now. So uh, we will tread water until he uh, returns, and he, he should be here. Um, but I poked my head out and I can't find him. So this is where we're at right now. But nevertheless, uh, he gave a talk today entitled uh, The Crisis of Christendom, which I will uh, be happy to ask him uh, to share with you details of. But until then, let's give you the website the website for his organization. Uh, Sightlanders, and that is spelled S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S dot org. Uh, That's Sightlanders, but spell it this way, S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S dot org if you want to be part of the team and learn more uh, about uh, the situation in South Africa and uh, what Simon is working so diligently. Uh, to preserve and to protect—that is the white minority of South Africa—and he just rejoined us, uh, Simon. You were telling us about the uh, how murder rates are
11: how they're measured by the, measured, the United yeah, the, Nations. Yeah, well, to give you some sense of perspective, James, uh, the murder rate in the USA, as an average across the country, is about five per one hundred thousand people per year. That's nationwide. Now, obviously,
2: in majority-minority areas, it's going to be up. Some places, it's going to be down. But five, that seems very low compared to the number you just told me about South Africa.
11: Yeah, in South Africa, the uh, murder rate is 39 per 100,000 per year. So it's a killing spree, you know. Um, but if you
2: ask, if you ask any, anybody in the establishment media here in America, they say that's a conspiracy theory. You're a racist to even question that. That is not happening. It is absolutely, factually not happening, they say.
11: But, well, the United Nations would beg to differ. <laughs> Touché. <laughs> and, and the murder rate of white farmers, white commercial farm owners... Excluding family members, excluding people who farm for a hobby, excluding workers, just white commercial farm owners, is about 170.
2: 170! Well, one. Now, do they not understand, or cannot they understand, what is going on here? The people murdering the farmers, do they not like to eat? Do they understand what will happen if you kill the
0: producers? Well, They don't got, think that it's, far ahead? It's,
11: it's, it's, it's one of those things, James. That's just the way it is. That's uh, the circumstance under which we live under African National Congress rule, that's part of the deal. Okay, well, so to, to, to give you some more perspective, if you if you, you take the worst U.S. cities murder rates, I, I looked this I, up about three days ago.
2: Now, what what, what cities are we talking about? I, I would guess uh, Chicago would I, be you, one.
11: Yeah, I don't, I don't remember all of the names out of my head, but if you took the worst cities in the USA. And you took South Africa's average. That includes the better places. It includes the places with the very little population. It includes the more law-abiding regions of the country. We would our rate of of thirty nine per one hundred thousand per year is higher than your seventh worst city, and it shouldn't be like that. Our whole country is worse than most of your very, very worst cities when it comes to murder. So imagine,
2: in other words, imagine one of the very worst cities in terms of murder rate, and that's your entire country. That's everywhere. You can't get away from it.
11: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Who are you going to believe, though, Simon? uh, The media or your lying eyes?
11: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's one of the most beautiful expressions I've ever heard in my life, and I I use it very often in South Africa. (laughs) I, I learned it here in the South. Um, from uh, friends of yours, actually. yeah, That's one
2: of know? our go-tos here on, <laughs> on TPC. Uh, well, I, we we laugh to keep from crying. It's a terrible thing. These are wonderful people, the history of South Africa, uh, what your people have gone through, uh, what you built and what has been taken away and what has crumbled uh, as... It crumbled because of the efforts of ostensibly white governments uh, w- across the world... It's just a terrible, terrible tragedy, and it could be a harbinger of things to come, even here in America. And, uh, again, to learn more about the situation in South Africa and to uh, support the efforts of, and, and, again, just give us a 60-second a uh, snapshot of what Sightlanders, the, the mission of Sightlanders is, so people will
7: well, we will
11: constituted under international law the the protocols additional to the geneva conventions most people won't understand what what that means but let it suffice to say that under international law there is a provision for identifiable ethnic groups all across the world whoever they may be uh, the the jews of hungary in 1943 uh, the the croats of uh, yugoslavia during the yugoslavia breakup in the 1990s the tutsis of rwanda in 1994 any identifiable ethnic group that perceives a threat to itself may prepare to safeguard its welfare in the event of such circumstances as civil war or nationwide anarchy as the case may be and and our purpose is to do that to This is a civil
2: name. defense organization it's not a radical militant organization You're not seeking a violent overthrow of anything you want to protect and you want to protect your people
11: Yeah we want to protect You our know, be
2: preta- prepared to protect your people if if I mean, to, to a lot of Americans, you would have thought that the day had already arrived. Uh, arrived, But in South Africa, uh, for the collapse of all things, you want to be prepared.
11: Yeah, yeah. And, and we see it happening. We see it emerging, unfolding year by year. It gets worse and worse and worse. And sooner or later, things are going to come to a head.
2: Well, let me break it down in this way, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to help the people in South Africa who need help, you want to support that group of people, S- S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S dot org. S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S dot org. That is the organization for which Simon Roche is an international spokesman, and that is what brings him back to us on the program tonight, uh, specifically and and to this event generally, and uh, we're all the better for it. Now, that being said, in the situation in South Africa, being very briefly mentioned, uh, let's talk about uh, let's give a, a quick teaser about your your talk today, Simon, and uh, the message you delivered to those here assembled. We got about two minutes, and then we'll spend the rest of the hour on this provocative title, "The Crisis of Christendom." What message from South Africa did you bring along those lines?
11: Well, what our leader, Mr. Gustav Müller, observes is that there is a commonality in all of the major events that are taking place in the world, and that is a singular threat to people in the West. Where was the COVID pandemic most intensely rammed down the throats of the people? Where were businesses closed down the most? Where were the clot shots? Forced the most upon people. Uh, where is LGBTQ being, again, rammed down the throats of children? It's not in New Delhi. It's not in Vietnam. It's not in Peru. It's in the West. Where are we seeing uh, the, the highest rates of divorce and the promotion of abortion and uh, single mother f- uh, uh, families promoted as, as, the, as the option? It's in the West. Um, we we look at the, the the great financial crises that are emerging across the world at the moment. Again, the West is somehow always the common denominator, all of the ob- always the object of this. And we would suggest that it is a conspiracy. We would suggest that it is not by accident that it is the values and the norms and the the mores, as they call it, to use the the fancy language, of the West that are being assaulted. Time and time and time again in these dark times. So
2: that was, uh, that was the message, ladies and gentlemen. And it's interesting that you, Simon, to me, as a South African, a native-born South African, uh, has more of a grasp of an understanding about what's going on, not just in America, but in the white Western Christian world at large, than most Americans, you know, God's country, as as, as, as some of them call it. Uh, You have a better handle on what's going on in America than most Americans do.
11: Yeah, it's quite sad, really, how little appreciation uh, Americans seem to have for the severity of the crisis in the USA. I talk to people about the $33 trillion simply uh, unpayable debt, and people's faces blank over. So that is a bit of a pity.
2: (laughs) Well, you said something very interesting, and I don't think we're going to have time because I know the music's about to play here, but uh, thankfully we, we have you for the full hour. Well, there's the music. Uh, you did say on your most recent trip to America, you never wanted to come back. Yes. And, and we'll let you explain why and why you changed your mind and are here now uh, when we come back. Uh, but there's so much more to talk about, about the crisis of Christendom uh, and how it relates to the current crisis in the Middle East. And we'll get Simon Roche's opinion on all of that when we come back.
7: Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
8: USA News. I'm Skip Kelly. Fighting between Israel and Hamas is in its 29th day. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken returned to Israel Friday and urged for a pause in fighting to allow for the release of hostages. More than 10,000 people have been killed in the conflict so far. Meanwhile, more foreigners and injured civilians are expected to be able to leave Gaza by crossing the border into Egypt. The president and first lady visited the site of the most
0: recent mass shooting in the United States. President Biden is expressing his condolences for the victims of last month's mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine. Accompanied by the First Lady, he paid a visit to a memorial near the restaurant where the tragic incident occurred.
9: This tragedy opens a painful, painful wounds all across the country. Too many Americans have lost loved ones or survive the trauma of gun violence.
0: During his visit, Biden met with first responders, health care providers, and some of the families affected. In the shooting incident inside a bowling alley and restaurant, a man took the lives of 18 people and injured 13 others. I'm John Schaefer.
8: The death toll has risen to at least 157 people following an earthquake on Friday night in Nepal. The U.S. Geological Survey says a 5.6 magnitude quake shook the northwestern part of the country just before midnight local time. About 170 people were injured in the quake, which caused landslides in the mountainous country. Rescuers are searching the mountain villages, most of which can only be reached on foot for more victims. And officials say the death toll is expected to rise. Daylight Saving Time concludes this weekend, requiring people to adjust their clocks. As we transition into fall, clocks across the United
7: States will fall back, meaning they will be turned back one hour starting Sunday morning. It's worth noting that not everyone endorses this practice. In the past, the Senate passed the Sunshine Protection Act aimed at making Daylight Saving Time permanent year-round. Although there is congressional support for this, the House has not yet voted on the matter. I'm Dave
8: Collins. This is USA News.
2: <music> Ladies and gentlemen, always, always a privilege to have Simon Roche on uh, the radio here at tpc uh and i am uh, thankful uh, to be able to call simon more than just a guest but a friend and uh, we've spent some time together uh it's simon uh, although i wasn't there and i uh, regret th- th- that fact uh, as it turned out but simon is a veteran of the battle of charlottesville as well and uh, he went up there with our friends rich hamlin and uh, bombardier eddie and some others and, and so we've known simon a long time and we've shared some scars with him and uh, it's it's great to be not have him on the just have him on the radio tonight, but to 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 be here with him uh, in person and uh, talking about South Africa, talking about uh, what ails our people worldwide. Uh, that is uh, some of the things uh, he was addressing with us today at this League of the South conference. Now I do understand, and I have been informed. Uh, that we are on this uh, live remote broadcast, and uh, every uh, intermittently there is a little bit of a disruption. The audio feed gets sped up a little bit, and it sounds a little weird. Uh, We're doing the best we can uh, from this rural, uh, (laughs) very rural location. Uh, So hopefully it's still listenable, and uh, you'll all uh, still stay uh, tuned in. Uh, But, uh, Simon, back to the question of the crisis of, of Christendom. Uh, continue on with uh, some of the things you relate to the audience today and then I've got some questions for you.
11: Well I think that what we're seeing is the demise of the world's most noble civilization, the most noble civilization of history. there's nothing that can quite compare to the achievements of Christendom, that is to say the the, the Christian, Western, European derived, part of the world. We, we think naturally of uh, Western and Central Europe. We think naturally of uh, North America, of Australia and New Zealand. It seems as if there's an all-out assault upon us. We're always the common denominator. Nobody's suggesting that there aren't hard times, you know, that for instance, the uh, pandemic uh, didn't lead to terrible lockdowns in China, for instance. Uh, and 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 the same could be said of all of these things that we've listed as threats to our people. But we are always the common denominator. We are always the primary object, and we believe, as Saitlanders, that now is the time to begin to identify this. Five or ten years ago, people might have dis- dismissed it. You asked me about um, uh, my reaction when uh, Richard Hamblin. And uh, Mrs. Jenny's Hamblin and I pulled into the parking area of the Sammy Davis Jr. Sons-
2: <laughs> I laughed when you said that, and I'm laughing again now. He said he went and gave a speech to the Sammy Davis Jr. chapter of the Sons of Confederate Veterans. <laughs> I, I,
11: I can't help it; it's a it's a joke that uh, that Gene Andrews tells. And well, some
2: camps are better than others. <laughs> I can't assure you, and some camps are probably like uh, the Sammy Davis Jr camp.
11: Oh there's there's nothing wrong with it at all but the name just has such a lovely ring to it and it's so ironic that I, I can't help using it. But as we we pulled in in 2019 <laughs> into that that parking lot there was a a news report on we were listening to the news and it was of a a court decision that prevented a husband from interfering with his wife's um uh, efforts uh, to resexualize one of their twin eight-year-old boys and this was in 2019 this is in 2019 wow. and uh, it broke my heart in a thousand pieces i I can't recall offhand anything that has wounded me like that did and I thought to myself excuse my language James I thought screw these people screw you never... said it
2: more strongly today, and I think uh, how it's... you put it today it was uh, really fitting. Yeah. You, you said what, Jer- what Jeremiah Wright, uh, Barack Obama's uh, pastor, said, uh, but you said it with good intent and uh, with righteous indignation.
11: Yeah, it was. It was because
2: this is where we are in America now, where a father can try to prevent a a, a woman of uh, from mutilating forevermore their son's sexual organs their genitals forever sterilizing them and a court rules that you cannot do that she has the right to go and, and 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 do this that is sick
11: an eight-year-old may may god not have mercy on us may god not may he withhold his mercy from us for that james that is too terrible for words. We do deserve
2: a punishment. And, and and that was part of my speech today, Simon, is that our people have to be made tough again. And the only way a man can be made tough is through suffering. Now, we have suffered to varying degrees, and we have suffered more than the average person. You've suffered, you know, South African, I can't even compare to that. But I'm just saying both of us relatively have suffered more than Joe and Jane six-pack in America. They're looking for the beer. They're looking for the football game on TV. Uh, We have to be made tough again, and until we are, we have no hope. Our people have to suffer. Suffer is good for you. Suffer can be good for the human condition.
11: Well, as I mentioned in my speech yesterday, I heard uh, a report that a similar court judgment has been handed down. This this time, again, uh, husband versus wife concerning their child, this time concerning a five-year-old boy. Come on. James no man no 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 And there's James. but
2: but the court would say that the 5-year-old boy has he's reached the age of accountability where he can make this decision and therefore whoever supporting that decision is in the right whoever is opposing it is in the wrong you are right we deserve God's wrath and i hope that it comes because it will be a purifying thing that our people need
11: Well i think that the irony of it is that What is transpiring in the world now is going to present good, God-fearing Christian Caucasians with an opportunity for that rectification. It looks as if what's transpiring in the Middle East and in Ukraine pose meaningful threats. Uh, The economist uh, Lynette Zhang did a uh, a video the other day, a presentation in which she claimed, in a scholarly manner, I mean, she... Lynette Sang doesn't suck things out of her thumb that the U.S. bond markets are in their worst state since the year 1787. We know that the interest upon United States debt...
4: That's a
2: long time.
11: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And we know that the interest upon United States debt now is uh, just the interest, $1.7 trillion per year. These are random examples. We could give dozens more. But the point is, it looks as if the world is lumbering its way, stumbling its way into a a a, a, a cataclysm, an inferno, well, the abyss. This is
2: it, Simon. I mean, even the dire situation that you're faced with in South Africa was only made manifest within the last 30 years. And obviously the situation in America is what it is. Uh, but as I was saying in my remarks today... We put too much stock and value in what we observe in our own lifetimes, I mean, because we are part of a continuum, and sometimes our people have to suffer for hundreds of years before they're delivered, as it was the case in Spain under the Muslim occupation, and, and these things happen, but I, I don't think that what we see now is going to be the way it's going to be until the end of time, and I, I do have hope in that. Uh, and, and, and there is historical a precedent to, to uh, that we can draw from to give us hope, uh, but At some point, our people are going to have to have a reckoning and are going to have to take accountability.
11: Well, it looks as if the reckoning is coming, not to read too much into what is happening in in Israel or to read too much into the the, the United States' $33 $33 trillion debt. But taken all together, you will struggle to convince Saitlanders, being the people that we are, that this is not an existential threat. To Christendom, to the Western world, to the European races of the world, we see this as something like an end times. Not to put too much emphasis on it. I, did, I didn't come here to evangelize, you know, kind of. a book Well, of
2: that's a, that's quite all right because this is a Christian program, and we're both members of the of the faith, and and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the in the next segment. But continue on, Simon.
11: Yeah, not to not to get too carried away just yet, but generally speaking, even if you're an atheist. Ugandan, lesbian, uh, paraplegic, truck-driving, single mother of seven with AIDS. Even if you are as alien from my culture, my history, and my traditions as you could possibly be, you must recognize that what is going on in the world at the moment is something bizarre. It's something extraordinary. It's something that's almost grotesque in its menace. Um, and uh, we, we believe that, 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 that there are very dark times ahead, but we believe that those people who will do best and come out the other side are those people like League of the South members, like uh, Sons of Confederate Veterans, uh, you know, people who participate, uh, like all of those conservative Christian Caucasian peoples in the USA and in South Africa and elsewhere who are connected to one another through faith and who believe that if they hang together, they can do something solid.
2: We're going to continue this conversation when we come back. But until then, uh, if you care, and I know that you do, about the situation in South Africa, you want to be a part of the solution in South Africa, you want to do your part for white South Africans, org. We'll be right back. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net.
5: Matthew 24, 24 teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth, America is in the Bible. Revelation 21, our form of government came down from heaven Verse 3, the many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus, quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and Quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote, John 10, 25 through 27. The beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida 33421.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, one more segment with Simon Roche. And then in the third hour, a uh, little bit of audio blips and all. I know uh, we're in a remote location, so you're hear- hearing us on helium for a couple of seconds uh, here and there throughout the segments. And believe me, we're not really talking like that because men don't talk like that. But uh, anyway, we'll do the best we can with what we've got uh, broadcasting from afar and outside of our home studio. Uh, but the crisis of Christendom, Simon. Uh, This is something that's interesting as we see what is uh, currently occurring in the Middle East is that you see all of these self-proclaimed conservative Christians lamenting the situation or the alleged situation that has befallen our purported ally, the greatest ally we've ever had Israel, our greatest ally. And there's so much concern uh, over what's happening to the Jews in the Middle East from Christians in America. But I have not seen any concern from Christians in America about what is befalling Christians in the Middle East.
11: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, People have had holes talked into their heads. You know, James, I'm going to make a remark now that may not go down well with all of your listeners, but it's... It's really said in the spirit of compassion and brotherly love and um, strong allegiance. If you watch the advertisements, the advertisements, the commercials that play on American television, you will rapidly get an appreciation for the level at which the state, that is to say the Federal Republic, and the, uh, the, the commercial interests talk to Americans. You cannot go anywhere in the world, and I'm talking all about including pr- very primitive countries in Africa, where the level of communication about, about a product is so asinine, so inane, <laughs> so puerile. Uh, your people, your authorities, your, your betters, as it were, talk to you like imbeciles. And I'm very sorry to say, but that's a, a categorical fact. If you go to some primitive Republic in Africa, you'll discover that the television advertisements are primitive, that they're overly simplistic, that the the production values are very, very low. But the tone in which they speak to the people is not the tone. It's, it, they don't speak to the people like they're mentally retarded, whereas it is the case here. And this is a reflection of the message that has been given to Americans about Israel and about the allegiance with Israel and so on for I don't know how many decades. Uh, Americans have been told that this state deserves all the love and the compassion and the support and the sponsorship and the subsidy in the whole world and that it can do absolutely no wrong in the face in the face of all evidence that is a that is a uh, almost
2: almost cursed almost that is a powerful statement simon against all evidence against all evidence it can do no wrong
11: yeah you know uh, uh, i'll give you a for instance apartheid in south africa fundamentally meant that you had to live in different places that you couldn't school together and that that was roughly it of was, there were another 100 laws but fundamentally you and I would be separate and our children would not mix and there would be opportunities would be denied and you you as a black person let's say wouldn't be able to vote that that was apartheid now i ask you name one difference between apartheid <laughs> in south africa and the jewish state versus the, the Palestinians. Well, I would say
2: if there is a difference, the Jewish state is much more extreme than, than the ones that we were told were so inherently evil.
11: Well, if you take a look at the, the map of Israel uh, and, and versus Palestine now, and you compare that map to Israel versus Palestine 1948, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll very soon realize that the amount of space given to the human beings is far. Far, far less than the amount of physical space, the amount of land given well, by the whites of South Africa to the blacks of South Africa. You can't compare it to this, uh, I mean... Uh, t- well, let's
2: t- talk t- about the American South, you know, and how it was here. It all made sense because has life gotten better in South Africa for either side, either no. side since 1994? No. Are either side better off now than they were in 1994?
11: No, absolutely not.
2: And it's the same here. And, you know, in Israel, I mean, it's... it's 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 even more intense. It's even more intense. So with with we, but Israel has a wonderful domestic policy. I wish we could copy the Israel domestic policy, and I wish you could too. It's a wonderful domestic policy. What's wrong with it? I mean, they have a secure border. Uh, they they have uh, segregation, but it's not bad when they do
11: it. It's bad yeah. when you do it. It's yes. bad when we do it. Yes, but it's not bad when they do it. Yes, and. <clears throat> Likewise, the, the bombings, you know, indiscriminate bombing is always very, 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 very bad unless Israel bombs indiscriminately. Indiscriminate bombing in Syria is bad, indiscriminate uh, bombing in civil wars in South America is bad, indiscriminate bombing in Africa is bad, indiscriminate bombing in Ukraine is bad, but it's not bad when it's done on a scale exponentially higher <laughs> in, in Gaza I mean <laughs> well,
2: well but this is actually something that was just brought up by a mutual friend of ours who I won't name on the air but I'll tell you who it was later and and she writes that it's it's not apartheid in Israel it's just occupation because that nation unlike the American South and unlike South Africa didn't exist until recently and it was entirely just taken
11: taken writ large yeah abso- absolutely t- today we're taking this thank you very much. And and if you go whining to the United Nations Security Council about it, we'll pay off enough American senators <laughs> to to, ensure. to blunt you, to absolutely blunt you, to ensure that that gets nipped in the bud.
2: Let me let me let me read this to you, Simon, if you don't mind. What a fast hour this has been, my brother. Uh, and uh, just wait till the third hour, and we start to mix and match uh, the different guests that you've heard from tonight, Michael Hill. Kevin McDonald and Simon Roche together. It, it, it may be an hour after even all these years that will never be forgotten. But Paul Craig Roberts, who's a friend of mine and uh, a guest on this program, he most recently appeared earlier this year, the former Secretary of the Treasury of the United States. He was in the Reagan administration. Uh, but he is right on all, and I do mean all, of the issues. And he wrote this about the situation we're talking about. And I think it especially is germane to your uh, title, uh, your speech topic today uh, about crisis in Christendom. Paul Craig Roberts writes, many Republicans, such as House Speaker Mike Johnson, are evangelicals who worship Israel more than God. I'm pausing for emphasis. Evangelicals who worship Israel more than God. Netanyahu and American evangelicals are invoking biblical prophecy to stir Israelis and Americans into theological insanity. Biden is discredited, and polls show that his public support is too low to permit his re-election. Trump was recently described by the Israeli newspaper Haretz as, quote, the most pro-Israel president in history, end quote. This leaves us with the question. Will Putin and Biden's attempts to contain the conflict prevail, or will the Republican evangelical neoconservative Netanyahu effort to widen the conflict prevail? Time will tell. But I think the takeaway from that is these people, supposed Christians or professing Christians, fear Jews more than God.
11: Yeah, they absolutely do. Uh, it's that age-old thing, isn't it? What, what is that guy's name, uh, James? God's boss? I don't it's know. St. Paul, you know the guy, like if there's ever a dispute between the word of God and something more lenient uh, that St. Paul said, you always go with St. Paul, isn't that the way I, it I, 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 if you're a modern Christian? That's, you know, we don't like the rough stuff anymore. We don't want you know, to know. That's right.
2: That Christians used to be harder than this. Christians used to be masculine, a masculine Christianity. Christianity now is associated with weak and effeminate behavior like, like this
11: that's that's absolutely like correct. Mike Johnson and House. Yeah, and one thing that many people, uh, I speak now of, of, of uh, our people in the USA, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Western Europe, Central Europe, it, it doesn't matter, but this is something that, that our people uh, don't seem to to grasp, they don't seem to grasp how effeminate they've become, how pansyized they've become, while their enemies have become stronger and stronger and stronger, and the mercy that 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 the Christian world is showing to the Guatemalans, to the uh, to 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 the Somalis, uh, to the uh, Syrians and the Libyan uh, refugees in, in Germany and so on, that mercy is not going to be reciprocated ever.
2: Let, let let me chime in on this, uh, which is tangentially related. Uh, again, our mutual friend writes uh, in real time here, with re- regard to so-called apartheid in South Africa versus Israel uh, and Gaza, South Africa provided education and medical care and safety, etc, etc. Israel denies even the most basic necessities such as water and medicine.
11: Yeah, well, the South African black education system was far inferior to that provided to white children but far superior to anything uh, provided to black children in the rest of Africa and likewise if if you visit Johannesburg any time, you can see to this day the famous Baragwanath hospital which was not so long ago or up until not so long ago the largest hospital in the whole world that was built by the 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 wild racist evil maniac white apartheid uh, people for black people. So there's a there's a grave misunderstanding about uh, apartheid. Um, and there's a grave misunderstanding about the the nature of the relationship between Israel and the Palestinians uh, to the state.
2: Simon, it is a weekly occurrence that I say this hour went by way too fast. I can't believe it's been an hour. This hour went by far too quickly. I mean it every week. I do. I really mean it right now. I mean, wow! How has that been an hour already? Uh, But it's been it's been an honor. And Simon will be with us in the third hour as well when we bring back Kevin McDonald and Dr. Michael Hill as well. We'll see what uh, those three can cook up for us. I'm going to step aside and uh, watch and listen as well. Stay tuned, everybody.
8: Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel body armor and an army ranger have produced a high-speed DVD
7: and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills
8: you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423.
14: Pantalo Pill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grelle in Exile, by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. DeGrelle's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader, Get Leon DeGrell in Exile today at Antelope Pill
0: You're listening to Resolution Radio Radio Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.
13: Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible, ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our Constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And. We will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party.us.
1: You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards.
2: Even after all of these years, ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, well, I still love every show. I love, I look forward to every Saturday night that we can spend together, no matter what the conditions, no matter what the circumstance a regular show in the middle of the year, a holiday show, a Confederate History Month show, a March Around the World broadcast. I look forward to it all. But I would be disingenuous if I told you that nights like this don't give me a little bit extra pep in my step. When we can all be here together, Uh, Obviously, it just adds a little bit more. I I cannot deny that. Being in the presence here, and now we are all in the same room, uh, Michael Hill, Kevin McDonald, Simon Roche, you've heard from all of them tonight already individually. Now you will hear from them in tandem. And what I'm going to do this hour is play a very minimal part in this hour, uh, existing just to sort of take us in and out of breaks and maybe just uh, throw a... uh, a topic in for them to dissect but uh, that that's going to be my contribution this hour but it has been an honor to broadcast to you live from this uh, league of the south uh, event and uh, to present uh, the uh, other speakers that were there today you've heard from uh, each of them all three of them now and uh, what we're going to be doing this final hour is teaming them up with one another so you're going to hear now from both kevin mcdonald and michael hill in conversation But before we, you know what, I think, uh, gentlemen, I would like to toss it to you right now just to have you uh, converse with one another, and then we're going to play that clip that I had uh, foreshadowed. Uh, In the next segment, because we have just we have about five or six minutes left. This segment we'll have about ten minutes in the next segment, and that'll give us time to uh, to to go into that. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you what I'm laughing about. Maybe on Eddie's show. (laughs) But anyway, Michael Hill and Kevin McDonald together now
3: live, gentlemen. Where do we begin? I toss it entirely over to you, Michael. Well, uh, as I said today. Uh, years ago, when I read Kevin's the first book I read of Kevin's, "A uh, People That Shall Dwell Alone," I never dreamed that I would even have a chance to to know Kevin, much less be his compatriot and friend. But hey, here we are. It's a wonderful blessing. Um, I don't know. It's 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 just great to have all these people together. Uh, all these people that bring so much different to the table, so many different angles and approaches. To the things that we need to discuss getting the truth out there so i feel like we had a good weekend of doing that and certainly kevin and, and simon and yourself james really really played a major role in doing that we'll have these videos up i was just talking to our editors uh, a few minutes ago before i came back to get on the show and she said we would have our stuff edited and ready within a week to 10 days so you'll be seeing these things soon can't wait I'm not mic'd up, though, so you and you and him talk together. What would you want to talk with him about? Oh, man, I tell you what, when Kevin MacDonald is on, I've just stepped back and let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> I
9: appreciate that, Mike. You've done a great job with your organization down here, and and uh, it's, re- it's really inspiring, you know, to come down here and, and listen to, to you and other people uh, here because uh, you don't go to too many things like that, and it, it's great. And, uh, God, we need uh, – We need Patriots uh, more than ever. And uh, I think things are going our way, in a way, but we have such a long way to go, and I'm uh, very, very uh, concerned. If I could borrow the mic from you
2: just for a moment, I would would offer this uh, to you all as as like the uh, uh, hockey official dropping the puck uh, during a face-off, except you all are both on the same team here. Uh, Joe Biden, according to their numbers, and it's probably much more than this if you count getaways and people that they aren't counting, but 8 million uh, illegal aliens have uh, streamed over the border since Biden's inauguration, according to their numbers. That is equivalent to the collective population of nine U.S. states, Maine, Maine. Montana, Rhode Island, Delaware, South Dakota, North Dakota, Alaska, Vermont, Wyoming in three years. I mean, the population of Wyoming alone, which has two senators, is is about half of metropolitan Shelby County, which is the greater Memphis area, which is by no means one of our biggest cities. Biden in three years has
3: swamped nine states collectively. Uh, Take it from there, gentlemen. Well, and the, the thing I think you need to pay attention to about this, James, is the fact that normally when you have a refugee population coming into a country, it's men, women, children, you know, old, young. What we've seen coming across the border largely are military age, brown and black people who are coming in here, and you can't tell me that that is not a coordinated effort on somebody's part to do this. And my question is, where do the arms come from, and when do they take them up against us? Well, I do think that is exactly what is going on. And Yet if you talk about the great replacement,
9: uh, they, they call it anti-Semitic, uh, racist, and everything else and go absolutely crazy because they know it's true, but they have to keep repeating this lie over and over again.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's true. Uh, I mean, it's, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt now that, that the... Conspiracy, I guess you might call it a white replacement, is an absolutely, absolute fact. It's absolutely true. But the thing that, as, as I mentioned, has always really concerned me is the fact that you don't see very many females, you don't see very many children or old men, you just see these men who are military age. I mean, why yeah, is yeah. this? I mean, normally when you see people fleeing a war zone, You see them taking their men, uh, their women and children with them. Yeah. But if they're, you know, if if they're coming here to do mischief, they're sending their men who are able to do the mischief. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's exactly what's happening right now. And sooner or later, we're going to see the rotten fruits of this uh, uh, this whole policy, uh, you know, come to fruition.
9: Well, I I think I think that the left is preparing for you know any the worst case scenario civil war yeah they purge the military they have uh, you know done what they can with the local police departments that's one thing they don't like the fact that there's they're so um you know diverse and and they're not under one command that's what they want they want everything to be centralized you could much more easily control things if from one place in Washington DC than you know 10,000 police departments around the country but they have purged the military and uh they, uh, as you say, recruiting all these people to come over, and they are fighting and They anticipate they'll fight against us. They'll be happy to. Uh, I'm sure the money will be there and everything else.
3: Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, when you consider the fact that you've got military-age men coming over like this, um, I mean, that that's almost inevitable that, that it's going to happen, that there's going to be some kind of... Uh, event that sparks yeah. uh, uh, something approaching a civil war and the only thing that makes me uh, optimistic about this is to know here in the south is that we have a lot of people uh, males mainly you know 18 to 70 who know how to use weapons So,
2: well I know you're not uh, I know nobody in this room is in their 70s but uh, I tell you what everybody's fit as a fiddle and uh ready uh, for whatever is to come the music is playing we'll be right back i'm going to toss some red meat out to these two junkyard dogs and let them eat it up when we come back michael hill and kevin mcdonald's
4: the honorable cause of free south is a collection of 12 essays written by southern nationalists the book explores topics such as what is the southern nation what is southern nationalism and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The honorable cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspoo, Ann Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of The Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, my Charlottesville story, identity ditches Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com.
6: Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God and the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Christmas has come early. Uh, I feel like a kid in a candy shop, a 43-year-old kid in a candy shop, uh, being able to just sit in tonight and broadcast to you live from an event like this and surrounded by the the kind of talent and the kind of heroes uh, that we have brought to you this evening. Simon Roche, Kevin McDonald, Michael Hill. Uh, Maybe you match it, you you don't top it, Uh, and that's what we're, we're doing tonight now. Uh, I want uh, our esteemed uh, guests who are uh, conversing with each other uh, this first half hour of our third and final hour uh, to listen to a clip. But before we do, and I'm going to toss Kevin my headset before we do, uh, but uh, Michael, you had the opportunity, you said, you know, uh, sometimes people ask me, James, what media outlets have covered you? And the answer is it'd be quicker for me to tell you the ones that haven't. And, and and you were around, I mean, the League of the South got it started in 1994. And in that day in age, and age and, and through the next decade plus, uh, it wasn't unusual for people like you and Jared Taylor and uh, Peter Brimelow and others to get this sort of mainstream publicity.
3: You actually had the opportunity to go on Glenn Beck's show. Uh, yeah, I was on there uh, I think twice on his TV show. And... uh you know, Is mean, he a I, guy we can win with? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I, I realize that, well, I'll, I'll use this word in, in place of the word I was going to use. He's a wimp. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't have any testosterone. Well, the the, the any... word Michael wanted to use rhymed with wussy. <laughs> yes, exactly. He has no testosterone. And I, I understood. So what was the engagement like uh, when he interviewed you? Was it hostile? He's hostile to you, right? Yeah, it it, it was it was hostile. It was almost like he was afraid. If you
2: were a black radical, if you were a BLM, he would have treated you with a lot more courtesy and uh, understanding. Yeah, I, I think so. It was almost like he was afraid, you know. Well, I think well, you're an intimidating guy. Well, I mean, so he probably was. But I think he probably knew he needed to treat you with uh, contempt in order to continue to maintain this position. Although, you know, even being invited on these shows to be treated in that manner has dried up. They don't even... They still talk about us. They just don't talk to us. It wasn't that long ago that... Saturday Night Live did its cold open uh, based on Michael Hill. <laughs> it was just a couple of years ago. Did you know that, Kevin? A yeah, cold I... open on Saturday Night Live. It was the League of the South meeting. They
3: were all wearing that exact that shirt. shirt that, that, that <laughs> Michael is wearing now. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we just took that as a great badge of honor that they wanted to. Uh, That's to not make fun 10, of
2: 15, 20 years ago. Know?
3: That's the last couple of years. Yeah, that was. Uh, one of their actors portraying Michael Hill. On Saturday Night Live. Yeah, cold that was open. it. Was post Charlottesville, so it was yeah. you know within yeah, the last yeah. five or six years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, once they start doing that uh, to you, that shows that they a know who you are, and b probably are afraid of you. All right, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, that being said, uh, Glenn Beck I,
2: and I use him as an example of what not to be. If you consider yourself as a conservative, this is the example of what you are not supposed to be. I'm going to toss the headset back to Kevin McDonald now. And um, if you could, uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Producer, let's, pu- let's play that Glenn Beck uh, clip in three seconds. Let's give Kevin enough time to get his headset on, and uh, in three, two, one, we'll listen to it and let them respond. Let's play it now.
10: I don't know why I was born, but there is something about the state of Israel that connects deeply to me to have the privilege To stand with the Jew is a tremendous honor, spiritually. So I want to read a letter that I wrote that I am sending to the state of Israel. To Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the honorable officials at the state of Israel, in this moment... I have chosen to ask you for citizenship in the state of Israel. Oh my God. I have nothing to offer but my voice of support. And some might say that my support might be more valuable as an independent voice. Perhaps they're correct. But my request for citizenship is not about words, it is about deeds. Why, one might wonder, would I want to embrace a heritage and identity that is so ruthlessly hunted down again and again. Yet it is precisely during such moments that we must choose to stand. I anticipate no privileges or exemption from the state of Israel. I instead yearn to align myself with those willing to rise, to fight, and sacrifice for the fundamental right to live. Is this not what both Israel and America embody? In closing, my desire for dual citizenship does not stem from any expectation of gain, but from a deep-rooted belief in standing with what is right and true. Ten years ago, I took my children to Israel for the first time, but we first visited Auschwitz in Poland. I told them, you cannot understand Israel without the Bible or Auschwitz. May Israel remain an eternal flame of hope, a beacon of resilience, and a testament to the enduring human spirit. I don't know why.
3: Kevin, is there a place that I can throw up? (laughs) Man, that is the most disgusting drivel that I've ever heard. It's horrifying. From a supposed Christian conservative. Wow. This is a guy who doesn't know anything
9: about, say, you know, the the fact that so many Jews, they're trying to undermine our country with immigration and everything else. They don't like us. You know, there's this long, long history here. And uh, he's oblivious to it. And uh, as usual, talking about principles, principles. They have no sense of their own interests. How does this help white people, white America? How does it help his family in the long run? Doesn't.
3: Well, another, another thing I'd like to address too is that uh, for Southerners, Christian Southerners, a lot of whom are evangelicals, you have been sold a bill of goods in that you have been told that these modern day Jews of the secular state of Israel are God's chosen people. That is simply not true. And if you study the Bible very closely, you're going to find out that the real Israel of the God uh, of the God of the Bible is not the modern day Jewish state. It is the Christian church. And to give that distinction of God's chosen people to these people who literally killed our Lord and Savior and have persecuted the Christian church for 2,000 years and have driven it out of the marketplace, public marketplace of ideas is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous.
9: That was a a major problem early in the century, the 20th century that Henry Ford talked about that that Jews had, had led the campaign to get Christianity out of the public square and uh it's, it's still going on and it, it, the, the fact is the whole uh, schofield bible it, it was a project of, of felix untermeyer promoting it in uh, oxford university press and so this was a jewish operation and the whole thing was to to you know make israel into the sort of be all and end all of christian uh life well this is and this is what it's come to kevin if somebody tells me they're a christian
2: the first thing i think of as a christian Now, I'm not saying Christians like Michael Hill are like this or that I am like this, but if you tell me, if the the average guy on the street says I'm a Christian, I think
3: you're Russell Moore, you're Glenn Beck, you're weak. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I come at this from a Christian identity standpoint. Uh, I've been studying the Bible and looking at these issues for several years now, and I've come to the point that Christian identity is what I believe in, and that is that God's chosen people are from the white race. And the Jews have taken this mantle upon themselves and have used it to foo whites and into basically going along with whatever Jews want to do as being God's anointed, uh, appointed will uh, for them to basically, uh, you know, run the world according to their, uh, what, do, what do they call it, tikkun Olam, you know, healing the oh, world. Yeah, 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 yeah
2: a big issue when Christians have to battle other Christians because you know some of our biggest enemies share this faith. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, they they do. Uh James, you know, you go into any evangelical church today and you start being critical of the modern secular state of Israel. Anti Christian. Absolutely. As a Christian, I mean, these people have pushed every perversion yeah. that afflicts our nation today, everything from porn to LGTBQ, whatever the hell, to homosexuality, to open yeah. borders, yeah. transgenderism, everything comes from them. Can you tell me that God's people are doing this?
2: We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get off to this topic and on to more things with our featured speakers tonight at the League of the South Conference. TPC Live, November the 4th. Stay
7: Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
8: USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. The death toll has risen to at least 157 people following an earthquake on Friday night in Nepal. The U.S. Geological Survey says a 5.6 magnitude quake shook the northwestern part of the country just before midnight local time. About 170 people were injured in the quake as well, which caused landslides in the mountainous country. Rescuers are searching the mountain villages, most of which can only be reached on foot for more victims. And officials say the death toll is expected to rise. The White House is not
0: endorsing a general ceasefire in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre emphasizing that message to reporters on Friday.
12: Now is not the time for a permanent ceasefire. We've been very clear. Uh, it, would, it would benefit Hamas, uh, given, the, given them uh, time to regroup and plot a new attack or do attacks.
0: The Biden administration is, however, advocating for temporary humanitarian pauses in the fighting to facilitate the delivery of aid into Gaza and the release of hostages. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that he will not consider a pause in the fighting in Gaza unless Hamas releases the more than 200 hostages it currently holds captive. I'm John Schaefer.
8: The Supreme Court is reviewing a challenge to the federal prohibition on bump stocks. These devices assist semi-automatic rifles in firing at an accelerated rate, and their legality has caused a division among federal appeals courts. The decision of the highest court to take up the case follows the most recent mass shooting in Maine. Additionally, the justices are poised to re-examine a significant 2022 ruling related to the Second Amendment, which broadened gun rights across the nation. Toyota is recalling more than one million of its cars. The recall came
7: on Wednesday, where Toyota is recalling certain RV4s from model years 2013 to 2018. Toyota says there's an issue with the car's replacement batteries, which can spark a fire. The company says it's working on a solution.
8: I'm Dave Collins. This is USA News.
2: Wonderful night of uh, fellowship and camaraderie. James Edwards, Michael Hill, Simon Roche from South Africa, Dr. Kevin McDonald with me now. Kevin, we've been talking about a lot of different issues tonight, uh, and there are still more to get into. The good and the bad. The good, the bad, and the ugly, (laughs) If, if we could. Yemen has declared war against Israel. I mean, there's so much that is suppressed by the American media. Turkey has proposed an Islamic alliance against Israel. Now, that, that, that's, that's even a bigger deal because that's a, a, a mid-major European or somewhat European state. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's Islamic. but in a border. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Israel uh, is, is going to like the end game. I think there's a chance that Israel might not like the end game of all of this. If not in the next few months, uh, perhaps within the next few years, I think we could be witnessing a monumental shift. All of this is a big deal. Um, So our our greatest ally (laughs) has single-handedly, one, ripped NATO apart, two, isolated America from its European allies, three, inflamed all 1.8 billion Muslims across the world, four, alienated America's legitimate allies in the region, five, has empowered Iran, and six, is sucking us into a regional War that could become a world war, and I don't think that that's too much of a exaggeration. Israel is acting like a rabid dog, and no one in America, including the president, has the power to stand up to the Israel lobby. If Joe Biden even dared to
9: try it, he would be shot down by the Republican Congress. <laughs> Kevin, it's so so true. Yeah, I, I think that that uh, this war is going to have major repercussions, uh, and because israel and and the jewish community in america is of course completely standing behind israel you know that they, they, they've always been the moral paragons they're always telling us what is good you know the whole civil rights thing the whole uh, and more recently the black lives matter or lgbtq the adl is all in on that critical race theory all those things that uh, come out of the left and, and the jews uh, the Jewish community in America basically funds and you know dominates the left uh, in the media uh, and all that. So here we are, and I think a lot of a lot of Americans who have a brain in their head are going to start thinking that Jews aren't you know as nice a people as they are presented. And you know someone like Glenn Beck uh, is uh, just completely. Uh, just, it, He's got a blind spot here. He just does not see the reality of these people. And, uh, of course, we, you know, with if we know some history. We know about the role of Jews and Bolshevism and mass murder and all that. Uh, we know that Jews are not uh, nice people, that the left has a strong authoritarian bent. And, um, you know, we can imagine gulags in our future, um, you know, uh, once they get as much power as they had then. And that's what they would love to do.
2: Let's go. Uh, no show is complete here at TPC without quoting Brad Griffin. Brad Griffin is the Abernathy to my king. When I plagiarize somebody, unlike Dr. King, I give them full <laughs> attribution. And uh, so we quote Brad every week. He's got a great take on things at Occidental Descent. As you have at the Occidentalobserver.net, of course Occidental TheOccidentalObserver.net. Uh, yeah, yeah, net the uh, a daily read of mine for sure uh, but this is why Brad Griffin writes that he is not black pilled he is not black pilled for the following reasons. American support for our greatest ally and that's in all capital letters is shallow even at the peak it is shallow Kevin I mean let's 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 Take the Republican Congress, uh, 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 the Republican House, out of the mix. Nationwide, it is shallow, even at its peak. Uh, uh, Brad continues, as we saw with the the situation in Ukraine, it's only going to get worse from here as the shock wears off. Young people who could be drafted to fight and die in a war with Iran for Israel are not buying into the narrative. I think in large parts across the world, we're shielded from this by the controlled environment of the American media. Large
9: swaths of the world, of the global media, Israel's losing the narrative. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially in the Islamic world. But I think, you know, certainly Russia and China are, are, are going to take advantage of this uh, and, you know, start really painting America as the evil empire uh, and ma- massively hypocritical. Their they're wall-to-wall support for Israel, an apartheid, ethnic cleansing state, um uh, it, it just can't cover it up and and you know if we had the media you know that was informed in our you know
2: an objective media a who what uh, yeah, where when yeah, and why yeah. press that's I all gotcha. we're asking for right, we right.
9: don't want we don't want people in the tank
2: for our positions. yeah exactly
9: who what where, where when and why that's all just the facts just talk about these things but uh that that's a that's a bridge too far i mean the conservatives oh the conservative media is just absolutely just horrifying they're <laughs> is, on this issue, uh, they are worse oh, than the man. left. Man, they are way worse than the left. And, yeah. On this issue, yeah, maybe not and on I, any other issue, I, but on this one. Sometimes one, apart from the religious thing, uh, that, that maybe they're trying to to sort of get cover by 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 you know, cozying up to the Jews. Because they have have the moral high ground, and conservatives are routinely dismissed as Nazis and everything else. It's, it's a way of gaining. <laughs> You've never some, been called Some credi- oh, never. <laughs> <clears throat> It's a way of gaining some credibility and some some moral stature, which is so important in our society. We want the, the people who occupy the moral high ground. Are really, the people that dominate. I think our that's society. what you said today. It's the currency yeah, of a, the a realm. It was a major po- point I'm making that that in our society, it's moral high ground is absolutely critical because uh people want to want to conform to the media they want they they want to be good people uh they they want to have a good reputation and what's the worst reputation you're to have now all well, you oppose immigration you don't like black lives matter and all that stuff you are shamed you're ostracized from polite uh, society and uh, we just have to face up that's the way it is and then but we got to sees the moral high ground this is a problem for israel and it's a problem for the american jewish community i see it in my, in my own u- ex university but they can't see it yeah they they do
2: not have the self awareness to see when they are pushing too hard too fast pushing to the it's, it's, it's
9: the moby dick analogy yeah yeah, they've often said that Jews tend to overstep and this is a good example. But I think I think they they want to speed it up because they are concerned that that white people are waking up. They want to have it now and that's why they shipped 8 million people over the border and and that's why, that's why they keep pushing this agenda. And 8
2: million wipes out the voting population of nine states yeah. at least because Wyoming is 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 the the entire population of Wyoming which commands two senate seats. Is smaller than metropolitan Memphis, which is a mid mid major city.
9: It, it, that's the way it is. They they, they want power, and and uh, they are absolutely going for it as fast as they can, and with absolutely no scruples. They will not lose the next election. If they Hook everybody crook, assassination,
2: whatever. It's well, I mean, between I, Trump and prison, drop boxes where you can just uh, harvest your ballots and put them in that little box for people to you find. Do. And you don't have to yeah. show. If you go to a polling place, you have to show an ID. Know, you have to yeah. match the face to the name. Uh, drop box, uh, balloting, all of that stuff. Yeah. You got all of that. They'll probably rehash COVID again next year. Who, oh, knows? Yeah, it was, who, who knows? COVID
9: was the best thing that ever happened to the <laughs> And it was very timely, that? wasn't oh, it? Very timely. And uh, yeah, as you say, like Secretary of State of Michigan, this Jewish woman Nussbaum, she just says, well, the signature looks vaguely sort of like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, when I go to vote, and and, and I'm a
2: white man, so I vote, I I have voted in every election since I turned 18. But I always go to the polling place on election day. I don't mail it in, I don't even early vote. I go in, and you know what happens when I go in? They ask me to present my ID. They look at me, they look at my ID, they look at my signature. And then they say, I can go vote. I mean, what is this <laughs> drop box stuff? This what is what happens in, in Idaho.
9: You, you, you have to show up at the polling place, show them your ID, and then you get Well, that's vote. because Idaho is a white state. That's right. It's a white state, and uh, they're very concerned about that. Getting an absentee ballot is difficult. I mean, they're not I mean, a, that concerned about it in New York or no, in Philadelphia no, no. or Atlanta, and these are the no. swing states. That's racist to be concerned Concerned about the basics of having a fair election. It, it, that's that's the reality we face now.
2: Brother Love can go through his uh, congregation at the, the uh, Missionary Baptist uh, Church there and
9: uh, say, "Everybody, sign here and yeah. I'll vote for you, <laughs> and
11: it will, we'll you drop it off
9: in the in the box here." B- black people, you say you're a white person, you always do all this. Well, a lot of those black black people don't really want to, to vote. They they don't. You have to go out to them and get there well it's too much
2: it's certainly too much to ask that they show up at a certain place at a certain time you got to give them a month uh, (laughs) of early voting if that's not enough they can uh mail it in or just drop it off yeah
9: and of course you know if you say that 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 they should have an id that's racist (laughs) it's crazy I mean, they, they, tell me one, you know, when they talk about this uh, that it's racist because more black people don't have identification or something. Has any black person ever been refused to identify in this country? I mean, but not, in right? a long time. not in a and long time. And when they time. were,
2: it was uh, under the law.
9: Yeah, right, right, exactly.
2: under the law at the time, anyway. Which yeah. I mean, aren't we so glad that those laws <laughs> got overturned because uh, overturned because isn't
5: uh, yeah, this all is of so these majority better, black yeah. c- uh,
2: cities so much better now? Yeah. Well, anyway. Well, you know, it's a interesting third hour. We thought it would be a roundtable, but uh, Simon's still smoking and Michael Hill's watching the Alabama game. And, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be right back. Okay. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of the Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. i was joking just a little bit about michael hill uh, watching the alabama game tonight although they are actually playing right now Uh, i don't know about uh, the truth i cannot confirm or deny uh, whether or not simon is smoking right now but (laughs) <laughs> we do have uh, Kevin McDonald still, and uh, no, it's, seriously, folks. There's still a lot of people around uh, that were at the event today. Everybody being pulled in different directions, but uh, I, I am thankful to have Kevin as we conclude this discussion tonight on the Middle East, which has been a fantastic show uh, from start to finish with our friends uh, Michael Simon and and Kevin. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to read to you, let's see here what I have here, one, two, three, four, five, five bullet points, a, a quick response to each if you could, and uh, we'll uh, wrap it up there. But uh, another takeaway from what's currently going on in the world is that in spite of the best efforts of Israel to cover up the carnage in Gaza, it is still being broadcast around the world, especially on social media. And uh, there is a chance that this could fatally undermine Holocaustianity in the long run. It has only been a few weeks, and the clips coming out of Gaza are far worse than anything we've seen in Ukraine. Decades of milking Jewish victimhood could be coming to an end. You see these things, and we talked about it earlier. You see these things. Listen, hey, I admit the Arabs have never been a friend of Western civilization, nor has the Jew. But if you look at these things, these these tiny, tiny babies just being bombed indiscriminately and dying horrific deaths, uh, the whole thing, Jews can do no wrong. They are always the victims.
9: Uh, the world is seeing this a lot differently than the American media is portraying it. That's right. I mean, I, I have uh, tended to watch, uh, I, I cut the cable so I don't watch Fox anymore, but I've been watching Newsmax, and it's horrible. So I've been watching Al Al Jazeera. Yeah, I think Al Jazeera has been the most level, even-handed media in the last month. Yeah, they've had a huge amount of coverage of Gaza, and they've had some of the reporters killed in Gaza. Uh, It's a brutal situation. They've shown the the situation on the West Bank. The last I looked, over 150 uh, Palestinians in the West Bank have been killed since this thing started. And there have been a lot of protests and so on, but they are absolutely draconian in how they treat the Palestinians in the West Bank. And of course, the Gaza is just rubble. And uh, the hospitals bombing hospitals, bombing refugee camps three times. Three times this refugee camp uh, bombing it. And. Uh,
2: and hospitals, you know, there was this yeah. big debate. Of, was it Israel that bombed it, or was it a Hamas bomb that went awry? Yeah, and then another hospital has been bombed since then. Yeah, another yeah, then.
9: The other one, yeah. So, yeah, and, and then they show that in Al Jazeera all the time. And they they show scenes from inside the hospitals where all these emergencies, bloody people. With, I, I, I
2: get dot com every blog post that Brad does, you have to really – Motivate yourself to watch it because it's just these infants just dying horrific deaths yeah, yeah. and it's But but these are you know the people that can do no wrong doing
9: this. Yes. Yes, and that's the thing that I keep emphasizing that they have a the moral high ground uh, people uh, are Horrified at the very thought of anti-semitism Being called an anti-semit is the absolute worst thing in the world. Yeah never be called right And uh, thankfully, you've never been called that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's the thing. It it could be that this this is going to be a a huge turning point in history. It could be in that sense. Well, that's the thing. It could be. This is the thing that makes this interesting, I think, is that it could
2: be for the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe 50 years even. The course was set. There, there, there were people out there doing the Lord's work, but there wasn't much chance of anything no. changing. There's a chance now. Here's another thing. In the event that our political leadership plunges into a war with Iran for the sake of Israel, unlike the Iraq war, this war is going to play out on social media. I think that's key. Unlike the Iraq War, the country is deeply divided going into it. Unlike the Iraq War, there is no uh, ambiguity that America is getting involved in this war solely for the sake of Israel. Unlike the Iraq War, the genocide in Gaza is going to undermine the war effort.
9: That's right. And Iran is a much bigger, more populated, much better weapons and everything else than Iraq had. Uh, they, they, uh, you, it's unimaginable that you put boots on the ground there. You know, bombing them is one thing, but... Yeah, boots on the... Yeah, drone stuff, is, it, you know, yeah, push-button
2: war, uh, but boots on the ground. Yeah. And, and and let me tell you something. I did a TV show in Nashville 10 years ago, and there was a... I don't know if it was a platoon or a phalanx of, of so-called American soldiers, but it was almost entirely black women. Yeah. You don't win a... You're not <laughs> going to win a a, a, a a war on the ground like that. Uh, but uh, this is where we're at now. Now, here's another thing. We've been talking about this tonight. Boomer Khan Christian Zionism has clearly failed to reproduce itself. The Pat Robertsons, Jerry Falwell, there's not a lot of young people who think like that, right. thankfully. And if uh, these people plunge us into
9: a war with Iran for the sake of Israel, it's going to accelerate the decline of this faction, and I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, and as you said, you know, it wouldn't be any question that this was for Israel. Whereas if Iraq, they, they always lied about it, covered it up. Uh, I mean, you, you had to do biographical sketches of these neocons, their family history, and and all that to to really nail it down. And that whereas this was going to be obvious, it's, it's all about Israel.
2: Well, you know probably better than anyone living today, and certainly of anyone of your stature, that the hardest nut for us to crack has always been the taboo of uh, discussion of Jewish influence and power and the Israel lobby. Now, as we've seen, conservative uh, incorporated Glenn Beck, you know, we played that clip earlier, has lost ground or outright conceded every other issue. Um, but uh, ban the ADL was recently trending on Twitter, yeah. thanks to, uh, of course, Keith Woods, who we talked to just a few weeks ago on this program. A war with Iran for the sake of Israel while Israel commits all sorts of atrocities could be the acid that finally
9: dissolves the taboo on these issues. Do you believe that? I would. Is certain, it possible? It's possible. I, I really do think that that uh, I mean, you're not going to get you're not going to get Jews to admit that. I mean, they're, they're going to uh, keep saying, well, Israel has a right to defend itself. And that's the end of the story. And, and there's no context to this. And and I, I've noticed, you know, these academic Jews in, in my uh, university, they never talk about the context. They never talk about the history, the, the apartheid, the open-air prison, all that stuff. It's completely off the table. The only thing is that Jews have suffered, and therefore uh, we have to do something. But uh, that that could be over. It, it, it's just too much publicity now. It's on social That's media. That's it, yeah. It's a different yeah. world. I you mean- can't cover this whole thing up.
2: You, know, you 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 go back uh, 40 or 50 years in this movement and it was you know three television networks and yeah. the, the best you could do is uh, throw out a few flyers and hope somebody right. should, turns up for your meeting uh, it, it's a different ball game now and and that leads us to this finally th- th- this mantra that has been endlessly repeated by our politicians that Israel is our greatest ally when in fact and this is the fact Kevin that it has always been a massive albatross, albatross. And, and, and a strategic liability to the United States. A war with Iran and possibly a wider Middle East or regional war or perhaps even a world war for the sake of Israel is going to expose this lie. It has not really. been. I asked this earlier. Our greatest ally, our greatest ally, our greatest ally, our greatest ally. This is what you hear repeated amongst you know, through conservative media. What do they do for us? What, what, that, do do what, what do they do for us? What do they do for us? How do they benefit? How are they our ally? I know what we do for them. What do they do for us? I mean, I'm asking you honestly. What do they? What
9: would they say that they do for us? Is they, there anything that they don't even say? It's just dogma. Yeah, it's like they establish American power, I guess. In uh, yeah, what's his name? Noam Chomsky. Well, we would have had that anyway. I know. It, it, it's just like but Noam Chomsky has the idea that. That that we are using Israel. It's obviously the reverse, but uh, you know it's, it's so obvious that a child can see it at this point. <laughs>
2: Well, we hope, because, you know, we, we have a lot of uh, adults that have never matured beyond oh, childhood they, in terms they, of their I mean, mentality. But this is our friend Brad Griffin again writing, I'm done being lectured about racism and the Holocaust by these people. I have never, he's talking about the atrocities in Gaza in the yeah, last month. Yeah. I've never done anything like this to anyone in my life. I've never treated anyone this horribly. And I am taking the Holocaust card and playing it against them and for co uh, co-signing uh, the genocide in Gaza. Yeah. everything that they
9: said happened to them uh, th- th- they're doing, they're doing. And you know it's, it's just one thing after another with uh, double standards of hypocrisy and immigration or the, the, you know in our country, the whole ethnic hatred thing is just completely proscribed. you cannot do that, go there. And yet they have obvious ethnic cleansing, I, I apartheid, mean, <laughs> And, uh, it's, it's and it's impossible, and it's to even
2: even have an adult conversation about it. Can. We, we, I, I'm willing to concede, I, I can't understand it, but I, I I would be in the willing of uh, in the spirit of debate to say that there's a possibility that you and i are wrong i don't believe it but let's just say that that we could be let's just have a debate about that they will not even tolerate the debate they are intolerant of the diversity of opinion and you're not going to see the photos and clips of these dead and mutilated palestinian children in gaza thousands of dead people are being buried and rotting underneath the rubble as we speak tonight kevin it's not being shown on the television in the united states but the entire muslim world is watching this and That's that brings the question, how does it end? 1.6 billion people are watching this.
9: Yeah, and and I think people in Russia and China and other places are watching it, too. It, it, as I say, Al Jazeera's got the goods on it. I mean, they really have an awful lot of uh, good footage. Not everybody's watching Glenn Beck. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, is, there's few and far between uh, on, on the American media, but... Uh, uh, I'm hopeful. You're yeah, out I, there, I, and we're out
2: here, and so together. I mean, we we offer a blip on the radar, but sometimes yeah, tiny trying,
9: things, uh, great uh, things can happen. We're always trying to be optimistic, and I am optimistic. I think we have to t- see the way that we could move forward on this. We don't episode. see
2: our people the way they are now, but yeah, they could be again in the future. Yeah, for yeah. our in, in the indefatigable g- yeah. guest tonight, our wonderful. Heroes: Kevin McDonald, Simon Roche, Kevin, Mac, uh, Kevin McDonald. Oh, I, just mentioned, uh, I mentioned him twice because he's so nice. <laughs> Dr. Michael Hill, <laughs> Simon Roche. I'm James Edwards. We'll be back with you at our local studio, perhaps without the helium next week, but you never know. Uh, <laughs> good night, everybody, and God bless you. Wonderful night with the fantastic okay. people here. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we enjoyed you. As always, thank you, Kevin. I'm shaking his hand. Yeah, good night, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. will talk to you next week.
0: You're listening to Resolution
5: Radio Radio Radio. Resolution RDO.com.